Hello and welcome to or welcome back to the Fun Filter Podcast. I am Sam and I am joined as ever by Jordan. Hello. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. We've got a lot to catch up on. <laughs> the only podcast in the, in the, on the web mm. that has a release schedule that makes Haley's Comet look busy. Exactly, yeah. So we, Sorry. Aim, we aim to rectify that, but it, we're, I still don't think we can call it a promise given the fucking technical bullshit we have to go through <laughs> to get here. So, but ideally... We're going to get better, aren't we? Yeah. We, we probably say that every podcast. Yes. We? Yeah. But, anyway. but we have new equipment this time, so we're like... Yeah, a whole new horizon of This shit. is the plan now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right, we're just going to get straight into it, I think. Yeah, go for okay. it. Okay. Coming up. We fire off some quick-fire racks. We fire at some quick-fire racks. It's, it, it's written. It'll make sense. It's written. Yeah. We discuss tidbits in the news and stuff. The triumphant return of Sam's Lexicorner. We review The Northman. We review The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We then review Everything Everywhere All at Once, the film. We review Top Gun Maverick. And we cluster review the clusterfuck. Oh no, that's uh, giving it away what we think of it, isn't it? <laughs> Everyone knows what we think of it. We cluster review Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, and Ms. Marvel, kind of. Okay, we're going to have a quick fire round here, George. Um, Is this anything like the quick fire round from episode 60? I can't remember that. That was a two-hour... That was the last episode. <laughs> two-hour quickfire round. That was the last episode, and I can't remember it. Okay. So, um, April, we recorded that. April, okay. So, this it's is going to be... now mid-September. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be divided into racks and racks. I admit that's a written pun. Yeah, it doesn't really <laughs> work, does it? So, fine, for the podcast oh, we'll, sake, we'll put it in the chat. We'll put it in the thing. Racks, yeah. or ru- racks and rubbish, or racks. something something like okay. that. Okay. Okay, we've watched a lot, so bear with us. Okay. Uh, my first recommendation is a film called The Princess. Oh, Rex recommendation, Rex. Rex or Rex, like a car wreck. Yes, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And you know enough about car wrecks. Thank you. <laughs> um, you waited, I mean, until, I mean, waited until the episode where we didn't have time for, I know. to elaborate. I mean, I mean literally as well. Like, I'm, not, I'm not saying like, oh, Jordan's a car wreck. <laughs> <laughs> literally, he knows about vehicular collisions. Okay, my first recommendation is The Princess. What's that? The Princess is a documentary about Princess Diana, uh, her marriage to Charles, its breakdown, and her death. It's the kind of documentary you'd like, because there's no narration or talking heads. It's purely archive footage. Oh, right, okay. <clears throat> I just thought it was like a really interesting snapshot of a time and public opinion about the royals. Mm. And then like the furore and the hysteria after she died. Christopher Hitchens pops up in footage that I hadn't seen before. Okay. And that's very rare because I've seen everything Christopher yeah. Hitchens has done. And he argues with a random punter. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite dispassionate and balanced. It avoids the twin pitfalls of hagiography and character assassination. Okay. It's quite objective. And I quite liked it. But I, I do have a bit of an interest, not in the royal family necessarily, but in that period of time. Mm. I have nostalgia for the late 90s sort of thing. Okay. Uh, so that's my first recommendation. All right. My second recommendation is a TV miniseries called Marriage. Have you heard of this? No. Is it recent? Yeah, this year. Oh, yeah, presumably. Yeah. Would be, yeah. <laughs> We're catching up, of course. That's right. Well, this that's is it. Our catch up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, marriage is a stark portrait of a <laughs> right. long-term married couple uh, written by Stefan Golazewski, who did Him and Her and Mum. I think I mentioned those shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I really like both of them. Uh, Sean Bean and Nicole Walker play the couple. They're brilliant. Uh, Her boss, played by Henry Lloyd Hughes, who's the bully from The Inbetweeners. Oh, right. You know, whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, is odious, like rightly odious. Yeah. Um, it's very, very well observed. It's kind of like the dramatic equivalent of the comedies he's written. Okay. You know, so minute observations kind of very well played. It doesn't employ the same real-time technique as those two shows, but it's still very effective. And it kind of, it generally takes place over kind of two or three locations per episode. Okay. If you've been paying attention, Sean Bean has left behind the always dies trope. Hmm. And he's moved into excelling in British miniseries trope. Oh, right. Okay. It, it's like every year he's in one. Last year it was Time, I think it was called, uh, where he's in prison. Mm. He's just, he's, he's really good lately. It's worth a watch, but it requires patience. If you're not up for it, you're going to be bored. Okay. It's very slow. Right. Okay. Very, like that was the main criticism is nothing happens. Okay. It's boring. And the theme song is way too loud. Okay. Which is a weird thing in this day and age. But when it comes on, it just blares at you. And like, Jesus. Like, you have to take your headphones off. Do you think that was intentional? Maybe, because the show is so kind of restrained. I, yeah. I, I don't know. But otherwise, I think... I thought it was really good. But I concede not many other people are going to. Okay. It's very slow. Right. Okay. Okay. But his performance is, I assume, good. Both performances are very good. Okay. Yeah. He's really good. He's, he's very insecure. And, like, he hangs around at a local gym because he fancies a woman that works there. Mm. And he tries to spend as much time with her as possible. Like, my locker's not working, whatever. And she walks off and the guy comes in. It's like she knows he's into her. So she wants to avoid him and, like, oh, you go deal with it. Okay. And it's just kind of a bit horrible to watch. Right. Um, But, no, really good. My next recommendation Mm. is The Bear, which you've seen. I have seen The Bear. I also recommend The Bear. Yes. What's The Bear about, Jordan? The Bear, it's this guy. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) it's this guy he's uh, from the world of fine dining he was like an up and coming star in the world of fine dining and his brother kills himself I think yes he does yeah strongly implied maybe even confirmed that the brother kills himself and leaves his kind of like sandwich shop yeah his basically his little sandwich shop that's kind of struggling but it's got a loyal like it's got a place within the community a loyal following and he has to basically whip the staff into shape while also making sure that they don't like go under yeah the main conflict obviously is the like the cousin yeah he and he and his cousin are the two main characters. yeah and the cousin yeah. has a very it's it's a, a typical like no 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 we do it this way and he's like yeah. the new guy coming in with the new ideas and there's like a new trainee yes that's kind of on his side and yeah so it's ba- it's basically just about them like it's one of those typical like it's about a group of people like learning to work together in a very pressure situation. in a very yeah. like it's it's go like it goes from the beginning oh yeah it's it's full on it's a mile a minute I mean that's the one thing I liked about it is that it manages to like create this sense of like chaos and anxiety mm. without becoming confusing like Boiling Point yeah I mean that's, that's an obvious comparison because Boiling Point was it's also obvious in the kitchen and episode 7 of The Bear is entirely it's a one shot it's yeah. a legitimate one take as well yeah which is weird because like I would say the show is very humble Generally, yeah. That's one another thing I really liked about it is that it's it's a very humble show that isn't showing off. No, and so that's what makes episode seven so uncharacteristic. Well, I'm, am I right in remembering it's half hour? They're mainly like twenty minute episodes, and then I think the finale is forty or fifty. Okay, and it's a drama. Yes, so that's very unusual. Yes, exactly. Uh, Jeremy Allen White plays the main yeah, character. The main guy. In he it. was Lip from Shameless. I think that's what most people have known for. Okay. When I did watch Shameless, he was pretty much the best thing in it. I thought. And he builds on that promise in the bear. I also really like, I think it's Ebon Moss Backrack. That's his cousin. Okay. But he plays a really good part. Yeah, I don't think there's a, there's a bad performance in the show. No, but they're the standouts, definitely. Oh, yeah, the main say. two, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. like the hectic, blown in point. This is weird little niche now 
of kind of <laughs> yeah, insanely Both boiling tense. points and the bear are occupying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a new one coming out with Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. Oh, right, okay. I don't know if it's like similar hype. Well, if they're all and... as good as boiling points and the bear are, then I'm, I'm fine yeah, with this niche okay. existing. Yeah, and maybe for having worked in a kitchen, there is something uniquely horrifying about depictions of a busy kitchen. Oh, I've like every like comment thread that I've seen regarding the bear. It's just people saying, "Yeah, I work in the kitchen. This is all legitimate." Oh yeah, it's, oh, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, and it, it really is. It does feel like it feels really authentic, mm-hmm. which is nice, like does, humble yeah. and authentic. There's just like a, the way the characters speak to each other because mm-hmm. it's it's obviously set in modern day Chicago. It's Chicago. It's very Chicago. So you've got a lot yeah. of characters speaking very colloquially, and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel forced. No, which is a good sign. Yeah. So we both recommend the bear. Big recommendation from me, yeah. Okay. The next recommendation that you've also seen is The Black Phone. Yes, I did see that. Yes. At some point. Do you want to give the plot? Um, do I? Yeah? <laughs> Think about it. Okay. Uh, there's, uh, it's set somewhere, some small town America. Yeah, like Indiana or something. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere like that. Like yeah. that. Uh, Stranger Things sort of. Yeah, thing. there's this um, kidnapper that's kind of like stalking the town. All these yeah. children kept getting abducted and they disappear and this boy gets kidnapped and I get the gimmick of it is that the there's a phone mm-hmm. in the cellar where he's being kept and he's able to communicate with the children that were previously held prisoner there. Yeah. And they kind of help him form an escape plan. Yes. Yeah. And the the guy who kidnapped him is played by Ethan Hawke turning in a surprisingly good performance. Yeah. I mean it, it's Ethan not... Hawke is fab but yeah. you don't associate him with um that kind of role. Yeah, it's a very showy performance. Yes. Like, showy villain, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, I wouldn't say that the film is, like, there's bad performances in the film. No. It's not, like, a badly made film. It's not a badly performed no. film. But his performance does rise above everything else. He's what you remember from it. Definitely. He's what you remember. Yeah, it's, so it's directed by Scott Derrickson, who I think did this instead of Doctor Strange. Yes. It's simple, pared-down, stylish horror movie. It's based on a short story from Joe Hill, who's Stephen King's son. Yeah, and it does. And it's very Stephen. Yeah, King. I think yeah. if you just, like, if I were to describe the premise properly, if I'd done <laughs> a proper job, you would think it was written by Stephen. Yeah, King. Yeah, like kids on bikes in you know neighbor, small towns in America. You've got like a young girl who's very like telepathic, isn't she? Well, there's 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 a yeah. telepathy angle to it, but just her attitude is very Stephen. Like she stands yeah. up to people and she yeah. swears. She's and quite she Beverly from the end. Yeah, she yeah, doesn't yeah. take any nonsense. Yeah, it's it's smart. It nips along at a decent pace. Yeah, Ethan Hawke is fantastically creepy. I thought Jeremy Davis was really good as well. Which the one? father. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Because um, yeah. I've never seen him do that sort of thing. He always plays like eccentric dweebs. Yes. You know, or like in Justified, he's the criminal that can't. Yeah. You know? like, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. The kids aren't annoying. Yeah, which, which is, is nice. A plus. There's a supernatural element that exists without explanation, which I also like. Yeah. It's just there. Um, yeah, it's set in the late seventies. There are nods to horror films of that era. It's kind of the dawn of the milk carton era of, mm. of missing children in America. Kind of yeah, harkens yeah. back to that. It's not particularly scary, no, but it's a smart, deeper than it looks thriller. Yeah, I don't know how to characterize it because it, it it is a horror film. Yeah, it is, but it's not a scary horror. It's like film. technically a horror film. Yeah, but it's not. Yeah. It doesn't go the other way and become like Mike Flanagan horror, where there's a real emotional. Not as like strongly. a guttural horror, if that makes sense. Like emotional no, horror. No, yeah, it's not. It doesn't plumb as deeply as Mike Flanagan stuff does. Yeah. It doesn't have the time to, to be fair. But this is. It's just a smart little film. Mm. It's, you know, it's more of a supernatural thriller than a horror film, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I would recommend it. I think I thought it was good. 
Yeah, I guess I'd yeah. recommend it as well. No reason not to. No, like, if, if what we've described is what you want, then you're going to like it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, next on the list is 13 Lives. Which I, haven't, involves... I haven't gotten around to this. Oh, yeah, I haven't got around to it. No. Okay. So it's a film from Ron Howard about the, I want to say, Tam Luang cave rescue of 12 young boys on their football coach. And then, kind of, there's an international effort. Was this a news story? Oh, it was big. I mean, there have been loads of cave collapses. Oh, my, I think I'm thinking of the Chilean, Chilean miners. miners. Yeah. yeah. But it's a similar well, thing. Well, these are miners. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I didn't even have... <laughs> Still got time to put <laughs> the jokes in, folks. Didn't even have that written down. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's an international effort. When they can't successfully do it themselves, kind of people from across the world come in to try and help. Okay. Principally, Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen were their characters. Um, obviously, <laughs> real-life people, but yeah, yeah. they're two British guys who... It's interesting that they went for two non-Brits when, you th- when I'm thinking about it. Colin Farrell and... Yeah. And Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. And they're doing British accents, and convincingly. Okay. And they do just seem like normal guys. Mm. There's absolutely no showmanship to it. They look like just men. Okay. You know? you, like, if you weren't a film person, it's feasible that you wouldn't recognise them. Okay. And not because they're unrecognisable. It's not like Colin Farrell in... in um, Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. But they're like, oh yeah, it's Colin Farrell. He's like, there's no, nothing, there's no makeup, there's nothing. There's no aura to them. There's no aura to them. Okay. Yeah, there's no showboating. It doesn't require high-profile stars. It's very tense. It's very claustrophobic. If you've seen Apollo 13, you'll know that Ron Howard can do this sort of thing very well. Mm. It's stripped down, little to no flash, very matter-of-fact, which suits the seriousness of the true story. Mm. It's almost documentary-like. Like, that's how kind of objective it is, I suppose. Okay. There's very little characterization. Mm. You don't know much about the men. You like the people involved. There's no contrived interpersonal drama. And the film is kind of bubbling with a spirit of cooperation. Okay. It's very heartwarming. It's like, oh, that's just nice. Everyone's in it to help each other. There's no... Like, there's a guy that he kind of fails. They, they recruit all these different people to help. And this one guy doesn't manage to perform his task successfully mm. in the cave. But, like, it turns out, okay. And he's crying because he's like, I fucked up. I could have, like, killed someone. And they're all just like, dude, it's fine. Okay. Like, don't worry about it. Like, it, it's all very, like, it's it's men being men, but not blokes. Okay. Do you know, it's men working together to do a thing. It's a solid professional depiction of professional people being very professional. Right, okay. And it's a film with a good heart, which is rare these days. Yeah. Would you say that it's... I know this is not an officially recognised, fun-filtered term. Sure. Um, Ooh, is this a Jordan's Lexa corner? No, well, I it was before, and then you rejected it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not. Okay. But it was, I think you'll remember when we reviewed, well, you might not, because you, you've made it clear you don't remember recordings. I do not. At the moment yeah. that the record is stopped. <laughs> when we reviewed Greyhounds, I attempted to uh, come up with the oh, term yeah. crisis thriller. That's right. Basically just a film where it almost doesn't care about the characters that it's that sure. are in the story. It's just... Here's the situation. Yeah. Here is the people trying to solve the situation. Mm-hmm. United 93, Greyhound, Shin Godzilla. There aren't really characters. There are people in there, and they yeah. are characters, quote-unquote. Yeah. But it's not about them. It's about the situation they're in. Well, yeah, I would say that this occupies the space between Greyhound and United 93. Okay. United 93, very dispassionate. Mm. You know, it's like, it wasn't long after the tragedy. Yeah. It's like, we're not, no, no known faces. Yeah. No personal, you know, love story, anything like that. Very documentary-like. This isn't as stark as that, but it's not as... Not sentimental, but it isn't as melodramatic then as Greyhound. Yeah. It's not trying to do any kind of characterization. Okay. It's just a thing that happened, and this okay. is how it happened. 
But I would recommend it. It was good. It's long, but it, it zips by. Okay. My next recommendation is something else on Netflix. It's called Lost Ollie. Have you heard of this? I've not heard of this. It's a little mini-series about a toy that wants to be reunited with his owner. So oh, yeah, Toy Story okay. vibes. Yeah. Animated? Um, so live action, but the toys are animated. Okay. Um, Notice of the animated or is it CG? No, it's very well done. It's okay. CG. It's CG. It's right. very, very well done. Okay. It integrates perfectly with the world. Okay. It's cute, but it deals with very dark themes. Hmm. I think it's only like five episodes. It's not long at all. Tim Blake Nelson voices like his friend Toy, right. who might be a bit more sinister than he looks because he's Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. And there's a nice little twist at the end, which I will not give away. Okay. feel it's important to say at this point, we've avoided it so far, but potential spoilers for everything that we're going to discuss. Oh, yes. Discuss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's all I've got to say about that. Okay. Next is The Sandman, which is a Netflix show. Have you watched any of this? No. No. You won't like it. Uh, it's it's generally not my cup of tea. Um, so it's based on the Neil Gaiman. I'm not sure if it's a novel or a graphic novel. I think it's just a novel. It's it's kind of American godsy. It's you know didn't see that either. No, okay, but it's all these fantastical beings mm. in conflict essentially, okay. and it's it's not my sort of thing. But the fifth episode is fantastic. Was it say um, it was Netflix? It's Netflix, yeah. Netflix and their fifth episodes. We thought it was a Mike Flanagan trait. But was it sixth? Oh, is it fifth in Midnight Mass? A Haunting of Hill House, it's five and six. Yes. Midnight Mass, it's five. Five, okay. And I think Bly Manor, I think it's fifth and sixth episode are sort of the big, like... Is that the Black Woman's episode? Yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. she's... Yeah, it's it's her ep- feature episodes. Time. And then yeah. I think six is when it kind of reveals, oh, this is sort of what's going on. The woman that used to live in the house... Yeah, is that the? Oh, she might be the penultimate one. I thought that. Was, I can't remember how many there were. It's when you sort of find out like yeah, why the children gone. are acting strangely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fifth episode, of course, it's the best because it revolves around David Thewlis's character. Oh well, of course. Uh, almost literally, actually, he basically he goes to this restaurant, at uh, this diner, hmm. American diner, and I can't remember exactly. Is it American actually? He goes to a diner, and his presence there. He obviously plays like another worldly thing. Yeah, he it, it inspires honesty in all the people in the diner. Like, they're just blatantly honest about okay. their feelings to each other. And it just kind of devolves. Like, people confess their feelings to each other, people reject each other, secrets come out, and he's just kind of watching the whole thing as he, like, drinks his coffee. Oh, right. Just, okay. like, unleashing this chaos. Yeah, he doesn't figure into the plot really at all. He's just kind of there. Is this the, like, it's the Christopher Eccleston episodes in The Leftovers? Is it that kind of, kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Thulis seems to now uniquely play shabby, bedraggled characters. Yeah. He's all, his hair's always a mess. Maybe it's just because that's what he looks like now. So it's like... Yeah, it might be. Yeah, I can't do I, anything I feel else. like I've seen interviews where he, he just isn't trying to be presentable at all. <laughs> yeah, kind of messy hair. Like, he, he accentuates bad teeth. Yeah. It's post-VM Varga. Oh, I was like going to say, I think Fargo started it. And then you had... What was the thing he was in with Olivia Colman, like, recently? Yeah. Um, Not the helicopters. What the fuck's it called? The helicopters. I don't, it's a weird, like, title. I don't know, it was Will Sharp, wasn't it? It was that, um... About La- landscapers? Landscapers, that's right. I don't know where I got helicopters from, no, but I knew it I wasn't, George. like, an obvious title. Yeah, the, and, um... I'm tr- thinking of ending things. Mm. Yeah, that is all kind of a similar thing. Yeah. But it's fine, because it's David Thewlis. And he can still act, so... And he can still act. Fucking go for it, mate. The Sandman's been very well received. It's just not my cup of tea, but I would recommend the fifth episode. It kind of works in isolation, so... Okay. Okay. Next on the recommendation list, Norm MacDonald, Nothing Special. 
Have you watched this? Oh, I've heard of this. I haven't seen you it haven't yet. Watched it. No. I'm not going to give anything away. I'm almost like, not scared to, but it's like, oh, once I've seen that, that's there's it. Nothing else. But there's, there's, the backlog is still there to discover, isn't it? Yeah. There's still a lot, you know. I suppose. Yeah, I'm not going to give any of the jokes away. I'm not going to, but it, it, it's a non-McDonald's special and it mm. feels like one. It's done at home. He's okay. doing it um, to his laptop. Right. With okay. no audience. Oh, interesting. Because okay. I think the next day he was going in for surgery or something. Does it have any, like, are there any moments which are kind of like they've taken on a certain resonance or poetry? Like, the fact that yeah. this came out after his death. I think there are a couple of moments where he skirts around those themes. Okay. And then kind of laughs to himself. So there's like, oh, maybe, you know, mm. he kind of knew this was his last album sort of thing. Okay. I think he was going in for surgery the next day and he told Netflix, I just want to get it in the bag in case anything happens or something. He didn't die in that surgery, but he died not long afterwards. Yeah. Watch it. I'm not going to do any of his jokes. So No, of course yeah, not. Uh, Norm MacDonald, nothing special. Got it. Next. What is a woman? Is that... <laughs> it's not rhetorical. No? No. Well, it's not in the case of this documentary, which comes from Daily Wire. Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's a Daily Wire documentary. It's their first, I think, feature-length documentary. Matt something. I can't remember his surname. Uh, he's one of the Daily Is Wire Is it not written down on your nine sheets of paper you've got in front of you? <laughs> Don't exaggerate, I have six. Oh, there you go then. Yeah. <laughs> Only six sheets yeah. of A4 paper that are full. Maybe I thought at the time that I'd remember it. it Matt... It will come to me. Okay. But he's one of, like, the four Daily Wire mainstays. Okay. Commentators. He wrote the book that was Reasons to Vote. No, that was Michael Knowles. That's completely wrong. He wrote a children's book that was about transgenderism. That's like, you know, Otto thinks he's a walrus and Mummy says, no, you're not. Oh, right. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, okay, so it's basically him travelling around America trying to find the answer to the question, what is a woman? Mm. And he interviews various doctors and trans activists and all that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And professors. It's obviously coming from a certain perspective, but not heavy-handedly. And there are plenty of documentaries on the flip side, so I don't see why. It's like an equal time issue. Okay. The actual interviews aren't hostile. He's not being like, I'm conservative and this is what I think. He literally just asks some questions. Uh, what is a woman? It is scary how few people can answer that question. Like, even people who are ideologically aligned with him do get fairly questioned. He will play devil's advocate. Okay. But, you know, what about this? It does have a sense of humour that undergirds the film. Like, you, he makes it clear what he thinks. I found out that anywhere between 1 in 30,000 and 1 in 100,000 people are trans. Okay. So that's the actual number. Right. So the massive upsurge, uptick, proliferation of new stories about trans people, it's not reflective okay. of a genuinely novel phenomenon. I think the, the claims that people are is a novel phenomenon. Mm. But this is such a marginal issue. I'm not saying it's not important to the people it affects, but it is such a marginal issue that w- the, the frequency with which we talk about it is kind of absurd. Is it a case of... I, I take I take what you're saying, that yeah. there aren't many at the moment, in mm. the grand scheme of things, there aren't that many at the moment. But is it a case of, like, even though there aren't many now, there were so few before mm. that percentage-wise the population that are trans has grown so rapidly. Well, I think... That it's like a case of like, right, well, they're, they're multiplying at an incredible rate. We need to have these conversations now. But then I think the argument would be they're not actually multiplying. No. It's people that are just cottoning onto a trend or jumping on a bandwagon. Yeah, I didn't really know what word to use other than multiplying. Well, it's a fad. Okay. It is a fad. Like, it is just unrealistic to conclude that the massive upsurge is the result of, oh, it's now more acceptable to be trans, mm. so I can now be more open about it. 
Mm. And the idea that there's no social contagion aspect. Even people in the documentary who are broadly speaking pro-transitioning yeah. will, like one or two, concede oh, there might be an element of social contagion. They downplay it, but it's obviously there. Okay. There's one really funny in the mo- moment in the documentary where he's interviewing a politician and the guy is just evading all his questions and clearly getting uncomfortable. Mm. And the guy kind of unclips his mic and he gets up to walk off. And the the main guy is like, I just came to find out what a woman is. And then you hear like an intern off camera just going, and you won't find out. Oh, right. <laughs> and you're not going to find out. That's really funny. I didn't get to that. But it's worth saying that like I attempted to you watch attempted this. You attempted to watch it. Yeah. I, I couldn't sit through it. Too uncomfortable or... Yeah, no shade to the documentary. No. Like, no. I, based on what you've said, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, the, the like half hour that I ended up watching is not unreflective of what you're saying the whole documentary is. No. He does seem fair. I, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't... I was just uncomfortable watching it. Is it knowing you're watching interviews that could go off the rails? Is that what it is? It could be that. It, yeah, it could just be like... A, like the moment before the jump scare where that like tension builds right. I think, it's unbearable yeah it might be that and I think yeah. what didn't help is in the portion that I watched at least mm-hmm. from what I remember no one really got angry with him there was no. always this kind of like passive aggressive like mm. I'm still trying to be nice to you but I'm letting you know that you're wrong right it only ever rose to that energy and of course that doesn't release the tension so I think that's what it no, might have been it, it mostly only rises to that level like I said there's that politician that walks off Mm. And then there's one academic who kind of gets the gist of where it's going. And he's like, you have 30 seconds to like correct yourself or I'm walking away. Yeah. And he asks like, why are you asking these questions? That gets a little bit heated, but that's the worst it gets really. I think people are mostly conscious of the fact that they're representing a certain viewpoint. So I'm not going to get up and punch him. Yeah. That'd be bad for the movie. Oh yeah, that's the thing. I wasn't look. I was. I didn't watch no, this no. thing. I wasn't spoiling for a fight. No, no. You know? But the fact that there wasn't meant that it stayed at that kind of Fargo level of. Uh, they keep smiling at me. Yeah, they're gonna put me <laughs> in a whip chipper in a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, the documentary is unlikely to convert people, but it should. Okay, it should convert people. You just just seen the interviewees squirm and tying themselves up in knots over the most basic questions. Yeah. And then since that documentary came out, the Tavistock Clinic has been closed in Britain. Not as a result of the documentary, but the result of, um, I think, a thousand or more parents filing lawsuits against them. Like, you just put my kid through this instantly without, like, any questions, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was maybe Peterson or someone a few years ago pointed out that lawsuits would incite the tide shift. Okay. And I think that may have been accurate. Okay. When these clinics have to start closing down. Hmm. That's yeah. That's when the results are coming in. The ending's a little bit cringy. Okay. Um, it's it's kind of a, a dramatic scene, mm. not dramatic, but you know, a, a scripted scene where he goes home to his wife, and she's like, "So did you find out?" And he's like, "Nah." Uh, and he says, "What? What is a woman?" He, she says, "It's an adult human female who needs help opening this jar." And he opens the jar, Christ, and he kind okay. of smiles, and that's the end of it. That was a bit cringy, but you know, she wasn't wrong. Do you think that could have been? I, I, I agree with you that, like, you know, people probably wouldn't be converted no. based on this documentary alone. But do you think that runs the risk of, to those people, mis-selling the intention of the documentary? It's like, aha, see, it had this idea of women in gingham all along, in the kitchen, doing the sandwiches. Kind of. I mean, there's... There is a through line, like I said, where they kind of dramatise. It's like I was getting more confused. And then it shows, like, a big, you know, pinboard where he's got all these, like 
papers and like strings and you know right they're trying to work out, and then he kind of like destroys it so there are these dramatized like that some documentaries do and that those are the weakest parts of it but like I said you know where it's coming from to begin with yeah you, you know it's a Daily Wire documentary and given that it is a Daily Wire documentary it's not biased mm. in that way like he asks genuinely reasonable questions to people on both sides of the okay. spectrum there is one guy that I loved I think he said like a the mayor or someone came into his store and was now a woman or yeah. whatever. Or, well, in a wig. And so he mispronounced her, him, or whatever. Mm. And um, the guy asks him, well, how do you know you're a man? You know, what makes you a man? He's like, I guess because I got a dick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's basically what it is. Yeah. So I liked it, and I would recommend it if you're not an ideologue. Okay. And my final recommendation in this quickfire session mm-hmm. is Blackbird which you have seen I've seen Blackbird yes plot it's about this guy who gets arrested for played gun- by Taron Egerton played yeah. by Taron Egerton for gun running and drugs yeah I think so yeah. yeah general criminality he's just a crim yeah yeah just a crim and he's presented with the opportunity by the FBI to forego his 10 year prison sentence that he's been given mm-hmm. if he gets close to another prisoner and basically finds out whether this prisoner has killed people or not. Yes. Which is not easy because this guy, there's something up. Yeah. He's a weirdo. He's a weirdo. Yeah. He's got sideburns and he's into <laughs> Civil War reenactments. And he's, he just like, he constantly seems like he doesn't quite know where he is. Well, he's like an alien. It's like, sometimes it's like he's communicating with someone that's not there. Not literally, but like tuned into some weird frequency. Yeah. Other times it's like he's a child. Which is sort of why there's such an ambiguity about whether he actually committed these crimes. Because on the one hand, he knows details that he's got no right knowing. But he's also famous for confessing to things he hasn't done. Exactly. Yeah. And he's just like, even when he's like admitting to something, he does it in this kind of like non-committal way. He does it in like a Norm MacDonald, Morrissey, I don't really know what's happening. Yeah, now, exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love people like that, but like, like, you know, artists in real life. Yes. Not, not mass murder, not serious. No, not this guy. Yeah. No. Uh, I thought the two leads, good performances from both. I know you're, you don't love Paul Walter Hauser. In no, general. but he's doing something that he's fits doing something his good here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he's, yeah, I don't like it when he's just doing whatever he was doing in like Cruella and whatever shit he's been in before. Uh, and Cobra Kai. And Cobra Kai, yeah, where he's just. He just sits there and is fat and guns. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> come on now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Ray Liotta's final role. He's good. Yeah, the third episode I think is dedicated to him because it coincided with I his think death. so, yeah. yeah. It's um, it's quite tragic, like, final role because the character is dying, I think. And, yeah, yeah, he yeah. has a stroke in, like, the first episode, I think. Yeah. And then he becomes more real as the show carries on. But it was kind of a nice send-off, like, in a way, an Irishman-y send-off where now he's not the guy in Goodfellas. He's the father of the guy that's in prison. Yeah. And he's just this really human, I'll help you however I can, like, mm. I love you, son, you know. Um, it was like a good role to end on. Yeah. You know, it wasn't some schlocky B-movie. Or no, 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 no. Of course not. You're in and out. There's not too much depth. It's six episodes. Yeah. And, and it, it's wrapped up because it's based on a true story as well. So unless they start taking serious creative license going forward, there's no more story to tell. No, that's it. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't go all that deep in the end, but it's no. a decent story efficiently told. It'll be like Black Phone. It's like, yeah, it, it is what it, it tells the story. Yeah. I will say... I didn't. I didn't like the look of this show. I agree. It was too dark. We need to come up with a word for it. I know we had board church before. Yeah, but it's it's beyond that because it's just like it sucks all the life and color out of the image. Mm. 
For, like, no reason, really. I know that it's supposed to be, like, oh, it's tonally, like, appropriate. Yeah. Because it's, like, a dark, mysterious show. Mm. But the payoff is that whether you're in prison in mm. the middle of the night or in the desert in the middle of the day, the show has exactly the same colour palette. I'm thinking either Gloomcore or Lovis. Maybe. Yeah, one of those two. I kind of like Coward's Monochrome. Coward's Monochrome. Yeah. Like Coward's. Because we're in the process of watching Better Call Saul at the moment, right? We'll we'll have a review like whenever we finish it. Yes, we're not going to review it today. No, but yeah, I wanted to mention that because it's finished now. Yes, it has finished. And, um, but I'm catching season, up. Yeah, we're on season five, so probably the next episode. Yeah, so we will have a review for yeah. that, but not at the of moment. the whole show. Yeah. yeah, the black and white segments in that look gorgeous. Yeah, and I know absolutely. Better Call Saul is a gorgeous show anyway. Yeah, high contrast is the thing, isn't it? But that's the thing. Yeah, I feel like a show like this would look so much better if it was shot in black and white. Yeah. Because you have the full range of colour and contrast to work with without running the risk of the image being too saturated. Yeah. But they would never film it in black and white because people don't watch things in black and white. Right, right. So I think that's why I've gone with Coward's Monochrome because it's still, like, basically all the same colour anyway, Mm. but it is in colour, so it's like, you know... Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there are things like Capote that are similar where it's all very... It's very dark and it's very gloomy to look at yeah but that does it really well it's set on like the where, where's that was it, it can be done well yeah no that's the thing it can be that, yeah that, that's where it is done well on like the Arkansas Plains um, where these murders took place and yeah. it's set in the 50s you know and it's it's appropriate this yeah it's, it was a strange choice it feels more like a, a crutch than like a, a yeah yeah it feels like they've just gone well make it like dark and moody and grim and that's the thing but it, the payoff is that it looks it's not pleasant to look at. It's pretty grim, yeah. I mean, the show isn't all that grim, given the subject matter. No. And it's quite like their relationship is really compelling. Mm. But yeah, while I acknowledged it was it was well put together, well written and well performed and all that, it's not fun to watch. No. Because it it's is... It's not on. even poorly shot. It's just no, the fact that it's... it's it just looks grim. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Yeah. I kind of can't wait to leave. But... um it will win or will be nominated for awards mm. and you'll probably have forgotten about it in a few months. Yeah. But it's good when it's there. Yeah. That's the takeaway, yeah, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Okay, those are all the recommendations. Can I quickly throw one in? Uh, sure. I know I haven't... It would have to. <laughs> I know yeah. I haven't run it past pre-approval. <laughs> no. Um, but it, it's only because on the last episode I mentioned that I watched Cuphead Season 1. Ah, uh, yes. And Cuphead Season 2 has now come out and I've watched that. Okay. So... And you'd recommend it. That's not a product of... We've been gone for so long. Because part of the Cuphead <laughs> 1 discussion okay. was, isn't it weird that this, the second season is coming out so quickly after the first? And now it's come out. And now it's come out. Okay. And it's, yeah, it's it's more of the Cuphead show. It's not going to change. I don't think it's going to, like, if you didn't enjoy the first season, I don't think it's going to change your mind. Mm-hmm. But if you did enjoy the first season, it seems like they're making efforts to improve it. Okay. So, like, there's more... I know that it's a neutral value, this whole idea of like, oh, there's more stuff that they've adapted from the source material. There's more stuff there now. That's not necessarily a good thing. Not not, not in and of itself. Yeah, but yeah. it's adapted well. It's either adapted faithfully or the the creative changes they do make work to the benefit of the show. Right. And it seems to be a bit more like horror-y inflected. Okay. Like, that was kind of one of the things I said about the first one is it felt really sanitized for kids, whereas in this one, there's a couple of... There's, there's a few episodes... That seem to center around characters that are completely insane or are driven to madness, like Jack Torrance madness. Okay, you know, there's also like a ra- random episode where a character out of nowhere does the like the 
Exorcist Scurry, which is that's like the a bit spider, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, where'd that come from? Yeah. So even if it's not like, oh, we can't have gambling and smoking and all the stuff that was in the game, at least it feels like, well, we can scare kids a little bit. Okay. So that's yeah. kind of nice. The only point I would say against it is it feels a bit more directionless than the first one. Right. Every episode is kind of episodic and doing its own thing. And the only time that the the main villain of the show, The Devil, shows up twice. Mm-hmm. And in the first episode, he shows up to him, which is like episode eight. Right. It's basically to end the overarching series plot. Okay. So the show is kind of directionless at the moment. And that feels like a point against it. Okay. In, a fa- in, the, in attempt to... Like, look, we've got more Cuphead. They've also kind of lost direction. Right. But the cliffhanger going to season three seems like they might be correcting that. Okay. So, Resetting the board sort of Yeah. Thing. So... Okay. Yeah, it would be. It's a recommendation for me. It's more Cuphead. It's still pretty good. It's still one of the best video game adaptations out there. Okay. Now we're on to racks. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we're on to that ra- bad racks. shit. Okay. So this is the rubbish, or at least not good. Yeah. Uh, so the first thing is Men, which you haven't seen, have you? No, I might still watch it though. Don't. I know you put it in this section. Yeah. But I was just, I was excited by that trailer. You're really not going to like it. Um. So Men is about. Uh, yeah, but I might though. You won't, George. Okay. Trust me. You will enjoy elements of it. Let me do the review and I'll okay, you, all right. see what you think at the end of it. Um, I'm standing my ground. I thought you would have appreciated this. <laughs> it's about a woman played by Jessie Buckley who, whose husband commits suicide, whose abusive husband commits suicide. Okay. And then she goes away to a country village to, you know, for a retreat to get away from everything. Uh, Rory Kinnear plays every other character. Mm-hmm. He plays the landlord and the policeman and the pub, the barman. Very Anomalisa. Very Anomalisa. And it's not quite... The absurdity is baked into it. It's not like she's going, they all look the same. Mm. Like, it, it's without question that they all look the same. Okay. Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear are always value for many, but they're somewhat wasted. Because basically what happens is something weird is happening. All the men are weird. And it, it just goes into full-blown horror territory. Okay. Yeah, like, and a lot of it's up for interpretation. It's very symbolic and imagistic, and less said the better, really. Yeah. Kinnear gets a lot to do, more than we've seen him doing really anything, but it's a shame that it's to little effect. Yeah, it feels like this is really his, like, this is his big breakout. If you could put a film on a mantelpiece, this is what you'd put. Yeah, exactly. It's excessively conceptual. Okay. The symbolism is very heavy-handed. Like, there's literally an apple tree, and he's like, ooh, don't pick apples from the tree. Oh, right, okay. Um, yeah, it's in, like, the Mother camp. You know, oh, Mother! You know, the Darren Aronofsky film. Okay, Where, right. like, she's he's God, and she's Adam. Yeah, okay. He's Adam. I, initially, I was thinking... Um, I'm thinking of ending things, which is, obviously, uh, uh, Jesse Buckley's also in as well. But that yeah. the problem there is that it doesn't really commit to anything. It's not as interminable as that. Yeah, um, whereas Mother is like very like overtly sim- symbolic, and it's not yeah. even subtle symbolism. It's disappearing up your own derriere sim- symbolism. Yeah, it's quite nicely shot, but I expected more from Alex Garland. Okay, there is, however, there's one thing I liked about it. Like I said, performances are fine. Yeah, there's one thing I liked. It th- there's a very neat, even if it's a this is the moral of the story monologue, uh, that I think encapsulates the nature of misogyny. Okay. So what I'm going to do here is if you don't want to watch the film, hmm. I'm just going to recite it so that it's the one good thing you're going to get. Oh, from right. It, okay. So you don't have to bother watching it. If you do want to watch it, skip to the next chapter. So this is the monologue. Okay. I have pictured you. This is Rory Kinnear. I have pictured you. Legs open. Vagina open. Mouth open. I have decided that you are an expert in carnality. Someone who has explored all the things that they can do and have done to them. These things now exist in my mind. This is your power. This is the control that you exert. 
many quotes from a poem which is Ulysses and the Siren by Samuel Daniel. I must be one that cannot win, yet lost were I not one, for beauty hath created been to undo or be undone. And I think that's misogyny in a neat little bundle of you right there. Okay. That whole thing of like, that's your power. Mm. I picture all the stuff about you and I can't have you. Right. And I think that's sort of it, you know? Okay. Um, but give it a try if you wish. Okay. Uh, next car train wreck is Not Okay. It's basically... <laughs> <laughs> it's a film called Not Okay. Uh, it's not right. It's not right. It should be good. It's about a young woman obsessed with social media, Instagram, TikTok, all that, who... Uh, fakes a trip to Paris with like by, with Photoshop. Like, mm. I'm going to Paris. And then there's a terror attack there. And everyone's like, oh, are you okay? And she's like, shit. So she doubles down. Oh, okay. And pretends to have been... Yeah, no, trust me. It's not as this good is as it's That's the problem. Like, all of these films you're not recommending so far have really, like... Yeah, it's a good premises that grab you. Yeah. The film starts with a disclaimer that says this film features an unlikable female protagonist. So you know that going in. And she is very unlikable. Okay. Um, that that's not common, is it? Oh no, it's like a joke sort of thing. But also warning you that like you're not gonna like this girl. Okay. Like I said, it's a semi-interesting idea. I concede that. And you you'd think that disclaimer would end up being a, a a bluff. It's not. It's a double bluff. She never does become sympathetic, but nor does anyone else in the film. It's the problem. You meant to like all of the satellite characters. Yeah. She basically befriends this woman. She was. She's a survivor of gun violence or something like that. Right. And she meets her in a, a meeting where she's going to, like, you know, make her story seem more credible. Hmm. And you really meant to like this girl and their friendship blooms or whatever. And then she's obviously betrayed. And there's, she, she delivers this spoken word piece at the end to an audience about what the betrayal meant. And I said, oh, fuck, fuck off. Right. It's, just, it's, it's, it's millennials. It's young people doing spoken word poetry and Instagram. Oh, okay. and Do they speak like millennials? Yeah, as well? no one's likable in the film. Okay. It's really annoying. And it may be a function of my genera- generational bias, that generation being ours, <laughs> but the, the dramatic climax is angry spoken word, and I don't give a shit. Okay. So that's rubbish. Next, I believe you've seen Prey. I have. This is controversial, right? This being on the trash pile. I think so, yeah. Yeah. What's it about? Um, it's, uh... Is it a spoiler? Well, we've said there could be spoilers. No, 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 but I mean, generally speaking, is it a spoiler? I don't know whether it was part of the marketing or not. Prey is actually probably the most cleverly titled film we're going to discuss today. Sure. Because it's a Predator film. Yeah, I think we knew that. I think okay. everyone knew that, yeah. Because, like, I don't know, the way the film conducts itself, it's almost as if you're not supposed to know that it's a Predator. No, I'm pretty sure it was... Until it reveals, oh, shit, it's a Predator. Yeah, I, mean, I think that when the first trailer dropped, it was trailer for new Predator movie. I think we knew going in that okay. it was... Yeah. Yeah, it's set in... I don't know what year it is, but it's Native American 1700s, Native American, American yeah. yeah. And a lone Predator comes to Earth and picks off the tribe, and the central character is this Native American girl who wants to be a hunter, but is expected to stay home and net or whatever. Hmm. And yeah, she faces off against it. That's basically it, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's the whole film. It's an interesting idea, you know, like yeah. setting it back in the past. I, I like that. Well, I, I believe that, because yeah, the Native Americans, they're Comanche? I don't know. I, I, I don't I'm know not, I'm not is. brushed up on Native American-isms. Yeah. But yeah, I believe that the, the original pitch for the film was that the whole thing was going to be filmed in Comanche. Right. And then the Disney-Fox merger happened, and then all of a sudden, they weren't going to do it in Comanche anymore. Okay. Think of that what you will. Do they do that thing where they kind of... It's like you go through the looking glass. 
Oh, like they are speaking commands. Yeah, does I, th- I, th- I like... think that's their like get out. Is yeah, she yeah. says the first couple of lines in the film in Comanche, and then it suddenly switches to English, and it's like, oh, okay, so yeah. it's like we're I think we're it... understanding her in English, but she's actually speaking Comanche. Yeah, I saw the film, but it's all... it's it's like a hand oh, it's a cop out. It's yeah, a yeah, it's I saw relatively recently, but I think it was brought up on Red Light Media, The Hunt for Red October. Yes, where they're speaking in Russian, and then there's a neat little trick and like. It converts to English. Okay, I see what... Yeah, imagine that, but not done done not as well. But not... Yeah, exactly. It could have easily been an irritating feminist tract. Mm. It's not. No. It's partly a feminist tract, but it's not an irritating Oh, it's, one. it's exactly that. It is, it's all tract. about her breaking out of her expected gender rules. Yes, but it's done in an appropriate fashion, I thought. I like that she uses her wiles and the skills that she's picked up as a girl... Um, <laughs> ...to emerge victorious, like her knowledge of plants and all that yeah. sort of thing. And the CGI is atrocious. And that's all I've got to say it's about Prey. It's shocking. Like, I understand yeah. that it's a lower-budget Predator film. Yeah. But it's a Predator film. Could you yeah. not splash out on the CGI exactly. a little bit? Especially if he's like, right, the Predator's going to be invisible for, like, 90% of the film. So for all, the 10% yeah. he's there, yeah. can we, like, spend some money on him, please? I'm, I'm a lead actress is probably the highest-profile Native American actress. But she's not a star. Like, she's in um, Legion. Yeah. Uh, and... Th- is she in Fargo? No, she's not in Fargo. But yeah, she's popped up in a couple of things. She's not, by no means a star. So no. it's like, yeah, so all the money goes to the CG. Yeah, and yet I didn't buy her for a second as a woman from that period of time. Oh, no, she looks like a millennial. I think if I were to summarise the entire film in one word, it would be inauthentic. Sure. I just didn't buy it for a second. I know it yeah. sounds silly because like, oh, it's a predator on Earth. What's the yeah, yeah. like? It's just like the... The period of time doesn't feel no. It's like, it's like moccasin chic, isn't it? That, yeah, that's like it's it's like um, a catalogue. Yeah, of everyone looks like they're in costume. Yeah, it looks like they're just filming in like woodlands as opposed to oh yeah, I guess this is what it would have been like back then. Yeah, and none of the animals, as you say, the CGI is oh. so terrible. You don't believe any of the animals are actually there. So and considering it's, it's supposed to be so grounded in the historic setting, yeah, and it's all about hunting, mm. when the animals are clearly the product of modern-day technology, yes, it kind of ruins the whole illusion, doesn't and it? And it's got that Hollywood slickness to it. Yeah. It doesn't feel grounded in any way, and it's not real blood. It's not real blood. What are you doing? Yeah. It's a fucking slasher film. It's had overwhelmingly basically. positive reviews. Yeah. And we talked about it, and I think that is a result of people that... that well, I can't give it a bad review. It's fine. And that counts towards the positive results. Yeah, like, oh, it's got 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, but those 90% are all 6 out of 10s. Yeah, you're talking... It's like 96 or something. It's like, it's really Yeah, it's high. very yeah, high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's that, and I think it's also like... Well, even if the this film itself is like whatever, mm-hmm. it's a neat direction to take the franchise in. So I don't want this to get buried in the pile. No, and that's the thing. It's not a bad film. It's just not that good. No. Like when it comes down to it. Um, oh, it's the most film film that ever filmed. It's much. just so like... It's middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's so like this script could have come from anywhere and anyone and just put it there and like we'll fill in the blanks. Yeah. So make of that what you will. Yeah. You know? Okay. Next, I think you've also seen... Lightyear. Oh, yeah, I've also yeah. seen Lightyear. <laughs> right, I can't even remember it. I, <laughs> right, okay. I just remember not liking it. You... Utterly disposable. Needn't. I needn't remember it. You needn't remember no. it. I mean, Disney films, most Disney films, they, they are just completely palatable, mm-hmm. completely consumable. You can sit there, you can watch one, and you can not hate your time. Mm-hmm. But I would consider the film a complete failure of its concept. Entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe that it was a film that came out in the 90s, which is when it's set. No. Even if it's not set in the 90s, the 
concept, the conceit of the film is yes. that this film came out in the 90s. Yeah, the film you're and watching. And I don't believe that for a second. No. Not just like... Because people have made a big thing out of the fact that, like, oh, the CG looked really good in the 90s, apparently, in the Toy Story universe. Right. It's not that. It just doesn't feel like a film from the 90s. No, it doesn't. It doesn't have that energy or that, like... It has a modern sensibility. As yeah, well. absolutely. Yeah. I don't believe that he, uh, Andy would have wanted a Buzz Lightyear toy based on this film. It feels too adult for, um, yeah, it does. for a, it a feels, child of that age. It feels like, um, like a family-friendly version of, like, Life or something, or the yeah. Cloverfield Paradox, where it's, yeah. like, designed for older audiences yeah like older kids yeah but not someone as young as he was yeah he definitely wouldn't want the buzz if anything he would have wanted the toy of the cat right the socks the cat yeah yeah yeah. he would have wanted that not Buzz Lightyear yeah and it's not even faithful to the Buzz Lightyear lore we already know no makes a big spoiler makes a big change with Zerg the main villain Mm -hmm. he's not Buzz's father anymore he's Buzz that's right time travel I don't know if time travel was ever a part of it but like the jetpack, for example, Buzz's famous jetpack, that's mm. like a third act. He uses it once to like save yes. the day. Yeah. It's not like an integral part of his toolkit. No, no. Just like loads of stuff that they get wrong. And I wouldn't, I don't know. I wouldn't have thought that it would have been that hard to make a Buzz Lightyear film that was faithful to what we know Buzz Lightyear to be. No, there's quite a lot there. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I said, I just, I, all I remember is not being sucked into it ever at any point. No. It just happened in front of me. Yeah. And, but, yeah, pretty much the same. And the animation's boring. It is, yeah. That's the thing. It could at least, like, if you're not even going to be a successful realisation of your own concept, you could at least be fun, and it's just not fun. No, it's nothing. Yeah. Definitely on the trash pile. Yes. Okay, uh, very quickly, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which you haven't... Oh, right. No, I haven't seen Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, it's Star Wars. It's more Star Wars. It's more, more... Is it more good Star Wars. Star Wars or bad Star Wars? If uh, indeed there is a distinction anymore. Here are the Star Wars things I like. Okay. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Okay. So Obi-Wan Kenobi... Uh, uh, <laughs> no, you liked Rogue One, didn't you? I did at the time. I, I don't think I would anymore. Okay. And the and the original trilogy, you know... Yeah, Empire is, like, objectively the best Star Wars film. I know people love them. It's just... It, I never got it. I liked it when I was really young. Yes. Okay. But now it's goofy. And I, it's, I just... It's not for me. Star okay. Wars just isn't for me. Damon Lindelof, there was a bit of a controversy because he made a comment about... Kind of particularly Marvel films, but Disney in general. Yeah. Like maybe don't release so many so that they're special when yeah. they do come out. Yeah. And then I think Mark Ruffalo, like, yeah, he said about Marvel oh. films because then Mark Ruffalo said, oh no, but at least like every Star Wars film or property, it's exactly the same thing. I like, like Mark Ruffalo, but I feel like he's always the oh, first one to pipe up when, it, when Marvel's under attack, I like, quote unquote. I, I can like him as an actor. I, I hate him. Okay. I hate him. It's really funny because you feel the same about Lindelof, right? Love him as yeah. a writer, but oh, you can't yeah. stand him. Absolutely. Yeah. I like Lindelof more than I like Ruffalo. Okay. But uh, yeah, he said, well, every Star Wars thing, you're getting exactly the same thing. At least Marvel, we do comedy, we do sci-fi, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. The you, ha- Marvel, you have to do them well, though. Well, that's the thing, defending Marvel, the defense of Marvel aside, he's not wrong about Star Wars. Mm. It is always the same thing. Yeah, it's the, the same. same arc. The it's same the same everything. canon, isn't it? That's fine. Same canon's fine, but... It, they always play out exactly the same way. It's just Especially like, now. It's exhausting. Especially since, like, I think so much now is happening in that gap between film three and four. And yeah. I know that's, like, a decent chunk of time. But, yeah. But it's just so... Go fill it with concrete! Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like, space, yeah. right, okay, so this is this is happening here and this is happening then and it's just... It's, you know, it's just, like... It doesn't feel contrived yet. But, yeah, it does feel like it's starting to pack itself too tightly. Yeah. I don't even like Star Wars. I'm no. feeling that, you know. Yeah, too much. 
Um, okay, and finally, which you have seen, mm. Chippendale, <laughs> Rescue yeah. Rangers. Um, I remember little, so I'll say generally you take it away. All I will add is that it won the Emmy for Outstanding Made for Television Movie. Well, that's just <laughs> not okay, is it? it? Its competition wasn't that great, but I'm sure there were things that weren't nominated that are far superior. I mean, what I will say is this. It's, it's not a film that I like at all, but it's the best film of 2022 to have Sonic the Hedgehog in it. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't, like, I didn't watch it because of that. No, no, of course. Yeah. I was going to watch this anyway, even though I fucking hate Andy Samberg. <laughs> I hate him more with every day. Yeah, I don't like him. It's, I don't, like, there's stuff he's done that I like. He's the worst thing about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But, like, there's some Lonely mm. Island stuff, which I do like. And, what was it? The the time travel thing from, like, last year or a couple of years ago. Yeah. God, I can't even remember the name of it. Yeah. But yeah, the thing with Kristen Milioti. Something Shoals or something... It's like, Palm it's Springs. Palm Springs, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That was good. That was good. And he's Andy Sandberg in that. Yeah. But he's just, like, he's not funny. He's just... Generally speaking, he's, no, he's, he's not. He seems to... Yeah, always kind of does that sort of gurning, you know. That yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah. That was weird, wasn't it? And then yeah. just explain... God, the I thing. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, 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 that bit from Brooklyn Nine-Nine that I've told you about before where he's like he's having a genuine heartfelt moment with the captain mm. and then he interrupts himself and goes aren't you proud of me for being serious for like 20 seconds yeah, yeah. I mean, no blame, I'm not proud of you blame the writers fucking like yeah, yeah. play a character do yeah. a thing I blame the writers though stop just telling me <laughs> what the comedy is and actually put comedy into it well the worst thing about Brooklyn Nine-Nine was when uh, they did the serious episode where his wife or girlfriend I can't remember what she is at that point where she, there's a character in it that like Oh, no, I don't know if the character's actually in it. But she was kind of sexually, not assaulted, but the guy was like, oh, if you suck my dick, you'll have a career. She's like, right. oh, no. And then she tells Andy Sandberg, and he's like, teary like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. I'm like, fuck off, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> I, I hate it when, that when the comic act is like... Oh, I, I, can, I can also act as well, this, guys. Well, no, they're supposed to be you. They're supposed to be you in that scene. And yeah. they're like, oh, that's so terrible. I'm like, oh, get a fucking grip. But that's what I don't like about it. Because that's, that's the, the, the point that I've made before, hasn't it? Comedy like that, Mm -hmm. And people who deliver comedy like that, they feel like they're trying to be you. Yeah. As in you, the audience member watching the thing. Oh my God, that was hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. It's well, not I, me. I've, you've taken my reaction away from me. I've got nothing sure. to do now. Yes. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine could just like exist over there mm. and it doesn't need me because Andy Sandberg is doing my job for me. Right, right. I, I fucking hate that. And Chippendale is just as bad where it's like... It's just, like, it's the type of film that I think a couple of years ago, a few years ago, maybe, mm. I'll give myself some right, credit, okay. I would have really, really liked. Yeah. Because it's, like, high concept. It's, like, it, it's set in Hollywood and they're doing that thing where it's, like... Postmodern irreverent or yeah, like, oh, Lego movie. Like, with, with all the reboots that are happening, I got the CGI surgery and yeah, we're yeah. going to the literal uncanny valley that exists in the thing. But it just that might have been... I remember that moment and thinking, oh, no. Yeah. I That's just post Lego movie where everything's trying to do that yeah it's very hard to pull off Spider-Man does it perfectly into the Spider-Verse yeah but no it's like we're literally going to the Uncanny, Uncanny Valley oh god it just pushes it too far yeah way too far just way too far like the one thing that I remember liking about it was the mixture of animation styles yes it's kind yeah, of no, nice that's fair yeah I mean the 2D animation is not genuine 2D animation and I found out that the Muppet characters are all CG which is a bit disappointing oh right okay but yeah, they have Muppet characters, they have quote-unquote 2D animated characters, they have full-blown 3D CGI, mm-hmm. they have stop-motion characters. And the stop-motion character, his fight sequence even kind of like revolves around the fact that he's stop-motion. Mm. He's like taking himself apart and like using yes. bits of him as a weapon. Yeah. And 
Like, there's some creativity there which yeah, yeah. is to be enjoyed. Well, there's just that much postmodernism that you're going to have a few kind of funny ideas or, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on the whole, like I said, I don't remember it. I yeah. don't even remember it. Yeah, it hasn't stood the test yeah. of time. And this is like, we put this on the list because like, oh, this is so obviously a film we would have talked about at the time yeah. it came out. Yeah. But now yeah, that a couple I'll, of months has passed, there's really nothing. Definitely not. A lot of these could have been full-blown film reviews. Yeah. But I guess the yeah, only the only thing that's like worth bringing up, just as like an acknowledgement, mm. is the whole thing with the with the main villain. Right. Because the main villain of the film is a grown-up Peter Pan. That's right. And people were quick to point out that there's a sort of uncomfortable irony to that, mm. because the 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 reason that grown-up Peter Pan is like kidnapping cartoon characters and putting them in like knockoff DVD versions of their own films. Mm-hmm is because once he started to grow up, his career ended. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you're the boy that never grows up and you've grown up, so your career's over, mate, basically. Yeah. And the real-life voice actor for the animated... I'm pretty sure it was the animated Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Same thing happened to him. Like, he died in his 20s or his 30s homeless. Right. Because his career ended so quickly. Mm-hmm. And people were like, does the film know does about know? this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Uh, Peter Pan wasn't the original villain. I forget who the original villain was. This was something that was changed, like, as okay. they were filming. So, yeah, I don't know whether that's an accident. I don't think Or just really unfortunate. It's like, it's such an obvious thing, isn't it? Like, oh, he did grow up. And what happened? Yeah, that's the thing. Know, as, yeah, as a premise for a villain, it's like, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. But yeah, the, no, the I, fact that it came from Disney as well. I know it's, it's yeah. Andy Samberg's baby, or at least he had a big part in it. Mm-hmm. They had a big part in it, the Lonely Island Bunch. But the fact that Disney have, like, released it and they haven't acknowledged it... No, I... Though typical Disney, it's a bit like, eh, maybe... It's just awkward. Like, yeah. I mean, like, awkward. Like, I... No. I hate Disney, but I don't think they knew about it and went and callously thought, oh, fuck it, we'll do it anyway. Yeah. They just didn't know. They just didn't do their due diligence. No. Um, that's it. Ah, uh, George. <laughs> we're 20 minutes over already. Yeah, I know we're already yeah, over yeah. thing, but there is one yeah. more. Aria. Because I know you've seen it as well. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't recommend in the slightest. Okay. Man versus B. Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> it's, oh, it's such a... No, it's terrible. Rowan Atkinson's return to physical comedy. Mm-hmm. He's basically playing Mr. Bean without playing Mr. Bean. Like, it's that type of thing where it's just, here's yes. Rowan Atkinson in a place doing physical comedy. Laugh! Yeah, yeah. With a CGI B. But yeah, there's, there's, there's like a moment in the show that for me encapsulated everything that was wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And that's in whatever episode it's from, where the B gets trapped in the piano. Yeah. And you go, ah, I am familiar with uh, physical comedy. This is going to be a pastiche of the Tom and Jerry episode mm-hmm. where Jerry's trapped in the piano or the Bugs Bunny one where mm-hmm. it's like a similar thing. And Rowan Atkinson touches an iPad next to the piano yeah. and makes the piano perform the piece itself mm-hmm. and he just walks away looking smug. Yeah, it's... That's the show in a nutshell for me. I agree. And I think that would have been... That would have been considered the joke. It, it's a, a red herring. But they set up. But I'm um, here. It's a, it's a bluff. I'm here for the physical comedy, and you've just robbed me of that. I know, but that's the joke, isn't it? No, no, I know. No, this is the yeah, whole yeah. fucking point of the yeah. show. Yeah, no, it was, it was rubbish. Yeah, um, total, and let's total. hope it doesn't come back for a second season. Crap. Oh, it probably is, isn't it? Yeah. Is is it one of? The, will it be a B again, or is it one of those shows where it's like, no? It'll oh, it's be Man versus Spider. It'll be. My guess is because it's originally called something else, and Netflix wanted them to call it Man versus B. My guess is for longevity. If it gets picked up for a second season, it can be Man versus you know Train or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> yeah, what's what's Rowan Atkinson yeah. have to deal with a train in his house? Yeah. Loco. Right, that's all the racks and racks. 
cool. Um, there we we now have titbits. 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 Go. Okay. Liam Neeson popped up in Atlanta. How long ago was this? Yeah, it was a while ago. Yeah. Season three. Season four is coming back. Is back in the end of this month. <laughs> right. Basically, a character wanders. They're in Amsterdam. A character wanders into a bar. Black character and Liam Neeson's there drinking. He's like, "Hey, you're Liam Neeson." He's like, "Yeah." He says, "Oh, I really like the Taken films." Oh, thanks. Then Liam Neeson says, "Oh, you know, the whole thing with Liam Neeson where he, he admitted that he wanted to. He went out once after his friend was raped by a black man. He went out with a kosh, hoping to." be, you know, someone to start a fight with him so he could beat a black guy, any black guy. Okay. Instrumental violence. And he said it as a way of like, I can't believe I was that guy that thought that, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. When I was a, a young man. Uh, and he says to the guy, um, I want to apologize to your people. You know, I thought I was being honest and I thought people would understand, but, you know. Hang on. Was Liam Neeson playing himself? Yeah, p- playing himself. Liam Neeson as Liam Neeson. Um, oh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, So I apologize to your, you know, to your people, basically. And the guy's like, Oh, I still love Taken, you know, like no hard feelings. I get it. Um, as long as you you don't hate black people. And Liam Neeson says, oh no, I do hate black people. He goes, what? He says, yeah, I hate you now because you set out to destroy me and ruin my career. Right. Um, and then basically the, the whole punchline is like, the, the guy says to him, you didn't learn anything from your experience. And Liam Neeson's like, that's the great thing about being white. We don't have to learn anything. And he walks off. Oh, okay. And I just couldn't believe that he agreed to do it. I just could not <laughs> believe that he agreed to do it. I mean, what's he doing at the moment? Doesn't matter. Ice Road. Yeah, but you're not talking a, a cameo. A cameo in Atlanta is no. Not I know like, it's a while ago, isn't it? Oh, like a decade. There's another one. Of the, <laughs> like there's another one of those recently where it's like, oh, he's a guy that doesn't know who. he I is I don't or even notice those films anymore. But yeah, yeah he's always in them. No, he, I don't think he's struggling for work. This is like a artistic choice. Because mm. I'll be in Atlanta and it'll be like a commentary on. But the fact he's playing himself and just the disgusting yeah, they nature didn't even of that go message. I don't know whether to respect it in a way. Like, they didn't no. even go through the pretense of like, oh, it's Liam Neeson playing a character that starkly resembles Liam Neeson in the situation well, he obvi- described. Obviously, he's playing Le- Liam Neeson as a fictionalised version of himself. Yeah. But people watching it aren't going to... But if you, yeah, if you don't yeah. know the real story of the real Liam Neeson, this isn't going to mean anything to Yeah, you. and don't get me wrong. I don't watch it and think, oh, wow, like, they've cast him as this guy, as himself... And that's like what he really thinks of what Liam Neeson. It's obviously, it's trying to make a point about, oh, he could have been that guy or, or whatever. Yeah. But I just thought, why would you agree to do that? And not because, oh, it might tarnish your career. Because he's, well, I'm playing a fictionalized version of myself, you know. Yeah. It's like being John Malkovich. It's more like, how could you agree with that? How could you agree with that message? Mm. All that thing about being white, you know, you didn't have to do anything. Yeah. I just thought it was disgusting, frankly. And Atlanta, it, there are moments of great artistry and great ideas and everything, but the race stuff is just fucking disgusting. It just, re- it is. Right. Uh, so I just wanted to say that. Okay. Speaking of which, Nishuti Gatwa is... Um... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, it has been a while since we recorded, <laughs> it? really it? has. Okay, uh, yeah, all right. playing the Doctor, isn't no, he's it? He's playing the 14th Doctor played by Nishuti Gatwa. Yeah. Is it Shuti or Nishuti? I think it's like Nishuti. Nishuti. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Okay. How long did it take? Because it was announced... Weird, it was like announced as they were at the Brit Awards or something? I, or the BAFTAs? There was some awards, yeah. Because yeah. Russell T. Davis was there Both as of well. Both them were there. Russell yeah. T. Davis and Shooty were there. Uh, apologies if I'm getting it wrong. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, yeah. sort it out later. Yeah. Educate. Educate yourself. <laughs> yes. And yeah, so like when they were on the red carpet, everyone was just saying, so you're Doctor Who now. And he was like, yeah. Yeah. How long did it take for him to bring up Gay being, and black? being a minority? Oh, I don't know. I, we timed it, didn't we? I think like, we Because <laughs> there was like an interview was like first reactions from Shooty Gatwa about like the news being released. Mm. And within, I'm not exaggerating, within like 80 seconds, 
of the interview starting, he was like, yeah, because the, like for me, the doctor represented, you know, um, minorities mm. and like people who were not like, you know, yeah, not like the in crowd yeah, as yeah. it were. And so it's nice for me to now be able to like channel that and represent that. It's just like, well, if he represented that to you when he was played by a white guy, yeah, it doesn't need to be the. It, why are we making such a big deal of the fact that he's now not a white? Oh, oh, Absolutely. finally, he's not a white guy. I think this whole narrative about oh, we need more people on TV. We're not arguing against diverse people on television. No, of course not. It's but this argument. Oh, you know, it's good for black kids to see black people and blah blah blah. blah. And I'm not black. Maybe you know, if you oh, are, have you seen the. Um the reactions of black young black girls seeing that Ariel is now black. No, we'll come to that in a second, though. Um, no, that's basically it. It's just them right. going, look, mom, she's like me. Okay, it's just compilations of that. Okay, I don't buy it. And I maybe if you are a minority in a minority my a minority in a culture, mm. it has some. Um, well, that isn't that is an idea that exists within that culture. It's just the question is whether that idea is no, no. is like has come from them or I was like going to say I can only speak for myself yeah and say that never ever did I watch things as a child and go oh yeah they're like me they're white and maybe because most people are white you kind of take it for granted and you don't think about that it that would be the counter argument yeah but then I would say there were characters that were black and I had that exact same feeling mm. you know and like like I said I could be way off maybe like kids seeing black oh yeah I could do that but like you said, he made that point of you already thought that about the character. And yeah. It's not like, oh, don't make him black then. Sure, there's nothing wrong with the Doctor being black. But it's like, you don't need to do that then. It's not a necessity. I mean, I, I hate this kind of like... That what, we even have to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Because it, it, it ties in, for me anyway, it ties in with my whole thing about if you're doing like a CG reboot of like a, a character that's not human, yeah. they have to have a human companion to make them more relatable. Right, right. It's like, no, I can relate to someone that isn't human. I can, yeah. I can relate yeah. to Sonic. I can relate to Bumblebee. Right. I don't need fucking what's-her-face. Not Megan Trainer. The What's the woman in Hayley Steinfeld? Yeah. I don't need Hayley Steinfeld to make Bumblebee relatable right. for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's the same thing with this. It's like, well, I don't need this character to be the same race as me to, I, me to get them. <laughs> I like that you use that comparison. Uh, but no, I, mean, but it, I think it's the I, same thinking. It's this idea no, that, like, oh, not, if this not person quite, isn't... Not quite. If this person isn't me... Yeah. If this person doesn't fit in the same groups as me... Yeah. I can't connect with them. No, broadly speaking, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I, but I do... I at least understand the wisdom of... I don't agree with it, but that lack of confidence of going, are people going to relate to a, a robot car? Mm. We should put a human in there. I can at least understand that. Could, could you not just write it well, please? No, 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 I agree. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I at least get that. Whereas I, I don't get, oh, maybe we should make the character white so people would relate. That, that is racist. Mm. Like, whereas, uh, like, aliens and all that. Like, no, we have a human companion because that's who the audience is going to relate to. Mm. I at least understand that. And I think increasingly you see that less and less. Yeah. They are understanding that, oh, no, we just anthropomorphize we make the thing relatable mm. or we make the animal relatable you know yeah. that's a good thing but no, yeah I, I the idea of going oh we should make them white or black because mm. that's how black people relate and what kind of message is it say oh you should relate to this doctor because he's black yeah that's horrible it's, it's, it's asking so little of your audience it's like yeah look we've done like we've got you one of your own you'll, yeah, you'll get it now yeah you'll right? like it now you'll watch it it's now, for you right? It is pure it's tokenism. Con- it's condescending, frankly. Oh, it's I, I, totally I think so anyway. I mean, the, the, you know, I, I don't want to diminish... No, it is condescending. If it, there it, are it genuine people out, out there who are like, oh, I'll now be able to get into Doctor Who, they're yeah, like, yeah. okay. 
But yeah. I, I think it's personally, I think like I, w- a, I wouldn't, I would be uncomfortable making that decision if I was a producer because yeah. I would think it condescending. I am sure there is an element of if you're black and the main character is black, it is a slightly different dynamic, a slightly different relationship. Mm. However, I refuse to believe that black people can't relate to white characters. Yeah. That, you know, non-racist white character, you know, mm. normal white people. Mm. Uh, what are we saying? That That is true segregation. So. Yeah. But we'll see, basically. Yeah. Uh, but I am worried about the, the gay thing more than the black thing, to be honest. Yeah, that is... <laughs> <laughs> should qualify what I mean. <laughs> no, there's no reason that, well actually there is a reason the, doc, the doctor can't be gay because the doctor as Jodie Whittaker being gay mm. makes sense mm. actually because if the, if the doctor is um, attracted to women yeah. then if the doctor is a woman then she would still be attracted to women if the doctor was a man yeah. wouldn't be attracted to men I guess the counter argument would be well with every change of the doctor comes a change in personality not that much that's Not the thing. that much. That's the thing. There's, there, there, there are constants of the character that, mm-hmm. that should remain. I don't imagine a lot of people are going to say that his, his or her sexuality is one of them. Like, oh no, they no. must love women whatever form they take. But that, but that's... The, so when the Doctor changed from Capaldi to Whittaker... Yes. Was yes. It the, it yes, went, that is the timeline. Yeah. Was it went from... Did it go from being, oh, it's the same fundamental personality, but there are some differences... And that's what happened. So when it changed to being a woman mm. in aspect, then the attraction was still the same. Or did it turn from a straight man into a gay woman? Mm. Do, do, like, was there a constancy of attraction or did it change into a woman that is gay? Yeah. And I would say surely it's the former. Like how, how much does the doctor change? If who they're attracted to changes. Because well, the what they're going to say. The third doctor knew karate, Sam. Well, the doctor. Well, that's different, though, isn't it? Like the, do- <laughs> the doctor will either be gay in this upcoming hmm. iteration, oh, or, almost certainly, right? Or or pa- pan slash bi, which I think is more likely. Okay, because uh, I don't think they would say, "Oh yeah, this doctor never loved River mm. What's Her Face song." Song. Um, even even- you watched it. You watched yeah, all of it, uh, well, Sam. Yeah, exactly. And and therefore, it's now all a big blur, <laughs> a meaningless blur. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, just in terms of, like, his performance, I haven't seen... Is it Sex Education he's from? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen it, so I don't know if he's any good. He's annoying. Okay. But everyone loves him in it. Okay. He's quite a small chap, small frame. He's diminutive, yes. So I guess it'll be... The pressure will be on him to kind of bring the presence of the Doctor to Mm -hmm. his performance. But, like, I'm not going to complain about the fact that he's like, oh, they've picked this, like, nobody, this guy that's kind of out of nowhere. Like, he's in no. one thing that's good. Well, that's the thing. Because, like, he, Matt he, Smith came from nowhere. He's basically know? in one thing, but it's a massive thing. Yeah. Sex edu- Everyone watches Sex Education. Yeah. And he's the, the, the kind of fan favourite character yeah. in it. So, yeah, like, it is genuinely, like, a wait and see. Yeah. But I already ki- I'm already kind of worried in a couple of things. And I hope that, like, whatever footage they release of him in the lead up to the new season will we'll quash that. Well, Russell T. Davis has said, I'm not going to suddenly stop writing about gay issues and gay characters. No, And then you go, but you did the first time. He, that's the thing, he didn't even stop. He just, like, he did it well. Right. It was unintrusive and it, like, yeah. worked. Mm. Like, as a, as a young kid watching Doctor yeah. Who, I wasn't like, God, this is an incredibly gay show. Yeah. <laughs> it was they, like, it, yeah. I enjoyed and the characters. There, there just is something different about writing gay people in the 90s and noughties and writing gay people in the 20s. There yeah. just is. It's a whole different thing now. I, I, I refer you back to that line from, I think it's the Shakespeare Code, where Martha... I know this is race and not mm. uh, sexuality, but when they're, like, in the 1500s and Martha's walking through 1500s yes. England and she's like... I'm black. Is this yes. going to be a problem? And the doctor's like, "Well, I'm not even human." 
Right. Just walk around like you own the place and you'll be fine. Yeah. Done. Like, yeah. I imagine that a writer and the producers would be less inclined to to have that kind of brevity mm-hmm. surrounding like race or no way. issues now. No. And I'm all right with like an episode or something dedicated to that, yeah. but it's just like the worry that like, oh, this is going to be the show, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and I'm sorry, but Doctor Who is a show for children. I'm not saying it's a children's show. We've discussed this many times. Mm. It's a family show. Yeah. But children are the audience for it, mm. pr- principally, mm. primarily. It shouldn't be dealing with this stuff. And I'm not saying like, oh, kids shouldn't know about gay people. I don't mean it like that. Mm. But they shouldn't really have to think about gay issues, as Russell T. Davis has said. Anything with sexuality. I don't want kids having to do anything with sexuality. Yeah. No, I kind of like, yeah. I, I don't have a problem with them, like, being introduced to the idea of like, oh, homosexuality is a thing no, that fine. you'll encounter as you grow up. And it's okay. But yeah, like... G- Proper, like, gay issues. Maybe yeah. that's, like, running before we can walk. Well, also, it's Doctor Who. Yeah. It's not the place. It's not the place. He has written, like, six shows about the gay experience. Mm. Doctor Who. <laughs> is it not out of your system yet, Russell Doctor Who doesn't have to be one of them. And that's fine. If you're gay and all you want to write about is gay issues, that's fine. I had a lecturer who that's the only thing he wrote about. Yeah. Whatever. Fine. It's very interesting. Mm. That was sarcasm. <laughs> um, that's fine. But not Doctor Who Mm. just do another show all the other shows you've done anyway we'll see we'll see okay we had the Depp v. Heard trial yeah that was it was a whole thing that happened I mean like if we'd been recording on a more frequent basis we might have gone into the minutiae of it Mm. I think the takeaway is you never know the truth of what happens in the marriage no from the evidence at hand Johnny Depp can be quite unpleasant and Amber Heard is deeply deeply unpleasant yes Um, it's hard to see her working again anytime soon I think his future remains unclear, but I can see him clawing his way back. Well, I know that, like, because this would have been the benefit of doing it on a week-by-week mm-hmm. basis. Well, it was sort of like a gift and a curse, really, because yeah. for a long time, her role in Aquaman 2 had been cut down to 10 minutes. And now it's But gone. they point-blank refused to cut her entirely. All right. And now, yeah, now she's after gone. the trial, she's gone. Yeah. They're in, they're in a bit of a pickle at the moment, aren't they, DC? Between her and Ezra Miller. They've cut her from Aquaman... They don't know what they're going to do with yeah. The Flash at the moment. They, like, whether they're going to cancel it outright or reshoot it without the main character. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you've got the whole Batgirl thing as well, where they can Batgirl outright. Oh, yeah. So it's it's not looking <laughs> good over there at the moment. Oh, do you remember that when they the, the filmmakers... Um, it was like the in-memoriam for the film. Yeah, said something that like, was really weird. What was it? My first exposure to that, Rotten Tomatoes retweeted it or like reposted it on Facebook. Mm. And I thought it was from Rotten Tomatoes. Right, right. I was like... I don't know if this is Rotten Tomatoes' place to, like, mourn the loss of a film. Yeah, yeah. But no, what did they say? They said something like, you know, like, Inshallah. Inshallah, I think they said. Mm. Or Allah. I don't think they said Allah. Akbar. No, they didn't say but that. But Inshallah. So imagine someone saying God willing. Like, oh, well, that's outdated. You can't, you know, there's no place for God. In mm. But if it's Inshallah, oh, cultural diversity. Well, that's what the film was good. Well, I that, don't, I don't no, know. It I was, wasn't know. it? It was. But of course it was. Maybe give them some credit. It's, no. not, as if, it's not as if they did like a, another like a popular superhero thing around the time that was only Muslim. We'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, it was that was a bit of a disaster over there. But yeah. yeah, Amber Heard, don't like her. Johnny Depp, a lot of respect for him. Yep. And the people in his life. Who's his, who's his friend? Oh, I like the friend a lot. The friend that the was artist like, friend. Yeah, the artist yeah. friend that Johnny Depp has just like poured charity onto over his life. Yeah. And, and he was just sitting on the stand and they were like, so does Johnny Depp drink? And he's like, oh yeah, we drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we take drugs. We fucking... Did you ever see him do drugs? Yeah, I partake. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. 
I, like, I, yeah, I love that guy. Prob- like, just there for his friends. Yeah, Being yeah. totally honest. But, like, just not- upset. Like, I can't believe he's and been dragged through this as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. like, on the stand. Just being like, this is disgusting what you're putting him through. Yeah, yeah. Frankly. And I know she's lying. And, yeah. Yeah. And she is. Um, it's not a feminist issue. She's, well, she's lying. It's just so, like... The f- you know like her entire presence on the stand was just so insincere obvious. yeah That's exactly yeah just constantly looking at the jury yeah ple- ple- pleading with them yeah like yeah. look I'm speaking to you yeah yeah you know I'm not talking to them I'm talking to you yeah the, you- the, the crying and the bee and yeah. the dog and all, all acting yeah, yeah the whole time she was acting and not even well because she can't act and that's the thing you know everyone says oh we never really know we know she lied about a lot like, we know definitively we she lied about a lot of things. And we know, at least from my perspective, we know that she doesn't come across as as likeable as Johnny Depp did. No. And that's the thing, like, that is, you know, if you can't come, it can work against you. Like, they say the reason Kennedy got elected over Nixon, mm. a, a large part of it was because they did a TV interview mm. and Nixon was sweating and you could see, yeah. like, the sweat on his lip and it just that's just the way it goes. And it's, you know... If you're a victim of whatever, you might appear a certain way on the stand. You you know, it might be awkward or difficult or whatever. Mm. But she definitively lied about certain things, like giving yeah. money to charity. Like, oh, I pledged to. Like, that's, that's not the it's same not as giving the same, Not the same thing at all. Uh, so that's that. It's kind of disappointing, though, that she is bankrupt, so she can't even pay him. No, I know. The it was money. more a reputational trial, wasn't it, more than anything Yeah, else. I suppose yeah. so. Although she has been offered, I don't know what became of this, because this, again, this was a while ago, but she was offered, I think, $10 million dollars to do porn oh uh, yeah that's like where Hickory is at at the moment now basically yeah 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 in fact I think she might have even started up her own OnlyFans oh really because she's that like like right I need some money okay well that was that yeah and then we had another versus Roe v Wade was overturned in America Jesus Christ yeah I know uh, all I have to say Just about the amount that, of time that it, you know <laughs> that has yeah. passed all I have to say about that is give pro-life people the benefit of the doubt that they actually care about what they say they care about. Mm. Um, this whole thing of, oh, men got pregnant, this wouldn't be a problem. That's utterly fucking ridiculous. It's yeah. not an attack on women. Women get pregnant, so therefore the abortion debate is centers around women. Mm. Um, zeitgeist notwithstanding. They think you're killing babies. I'm not coming down on one side or the other. Mm. I'm really not. But you have to have the argument on those terms. Because that's what they genuinely believe. They, they're not sexist. They're not, oh, if this is a man who... No. Yeah. They think you're killing babies. They don't want to take your rights away from you. It never was your right. I, that's the thing. Like, this this idea that, like, oh, it's a given that it's my right to mm-hmm. choose whether I keep the baby or not. No, this mm-hmm. isn't... This wasn't decided last I knew. Well, it never, obviously, it was legal for a while, but it was never their right. That's the, In America, in, constitutionally, it was never their right. Mm. It's down to the states. Yeah. Um... But that's enough for that. I don't really want to get into that. No, that, that is that is a proper discussion. Yeah, and yeah. we don't have time no, for we, that. we don't have time. Sonic trailer. Oh, yeah. Speaking of not having enough time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, like, if I get angry, like, stop me. Well, hurry. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I wanted to bring this up was because uh, one of the points we made, not only during the Sonic trailer discussion, but Sonic film review, Sonic 2 film review, I should say. Mm-hmm. Was just like the weird like continuity they have with Tails. The fact that they kept the voice actor from the games who did the voice acting at like the the like post credit scene in the first film. Mm-hmm. And then they kept that voice actor for the second film, despite the fact that they completely redid the scene that is the only continuity between those two films. Yeah. They kept the voice actor and we were like, why? Is it because she's just that good? Is it because they wanted to be consistent. Mm. I think that's the that's what we arrived at, right? Like, if it's anything... Yeah. it's just consistency. It's just because they wanted to be consistent. Yeah. And 
to go along with the Blu-ray release for the Sonic 2 movie, they did like a four-minute short film Mm -hmm. that stars Sonic, Tails, and Knuckles, and they've changed Tails' voice actor. Yeah. So I'm just... What are you you doing? (laughs) You're angry. I am angry. Yeah. They kept Sonic. They kept Ben... Not Ben, we're sure. Schwartz. Schwartz. They kept Ben Schwartz, but Idris Elba is not voicing Knuckles. No. And uh, Colin O'Shaughnessy is not voicing Tails. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of get Idris Elba. He's a busy man. A yeah, lot of people like Idris Elba at the moment. Yeah, Ben Schwartz, they got, they got him. And like Ben Schwartz, yeah, they yeah. probably contract as yeah, like, yeah. right, you're our man. Whatever we want to do, yeah. we're doing it. But was Colleen O'Shaughnessy like not available for four yeah, minutes? Yeah, calendar pack. Given that she voices Tails in the game. That is her contract. Yeah. She's in like the new game that's coming out like in November. <laughs> She's like, she. they have a working... Re- oh, I'm getting you're angry. getting too angry. It's just, yeah, like another point against the film. It's like... I don't even know why you kept this voice actor, but now you haven't kept them. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah, there's no so consistency it's... anymore. It's just... It's in... Is that everything? Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> but it's been brought up now. It's been brought up. Yeah. Uh, very quickly, there's a Garth Marenghi book that's coming out in November. Yeah, that was a bit oh, of left field, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I will read it. So maybe a book review, first book review on the podcast. Ooh. But yeah, just f- if you're interested in Garth Marenghi, order it on Amazon. I think it's called Garth Marenghi's Terror Tome or something like that. Um, <laughs> is it worth telling people what Garth Marenghi is? Uh, I, I really don't think we've got time to explain what Garth Marenghi is. Just like... Okay, it's, it was a channel... Just so they know that like, oh, this is a big deal. Okay. Or like, this is kind of a big deal. It was deal. a Channel 4 comedy series. There were only six episodes created by Matthew Holness and Richard Ayoade. It's kind of a meta comedy thing where it's about this... Stephen King-esque but rubbish horror author who has written more books than he's read. Hmm. And they're all schlocky... B stories like you know kind of Day of the Triffids but like Day of the Mushrooms it's all shit yeah Um, and he's a terrible writer and in the 80s he wrote a show for Channel 4 that he directed produced starred in all that Um, and his book agent plays his boss in it and it's kind of a supernatural thriller where he's also he's a doctor Mm. Um, and then the show is kind of the actors and the writer commenting on the show within the show yeah there's kind of two layers of reality there's two layers of it and it's very self-aware and it kind of it knows all the tropes of 80s horror and kind of bad filmmaking because it's made terribly it's it, it's meta comedy yeah. done right it's meta comedy done right 2004 only the one series it has a big cult following mm. and there's been nothing of it since um, and now this book is coming out so yeah that. it's Dan Harmon who brings it up a lot I don't know there are a lot of American comedians like it like kind of the Anglophile yeah I think it's like thing. the litmus test for a lot of people it's like yeah, oh yeah. how well do you know British comedy mm. do you know Garth Marenghi's Dark Place yeah um, so yeah it's just nice seeing it back again in some form and it's actually written by Matthew Holner right? I think it is I don't know if IOID's involved but yeah yeah but at least it's like oh yeah the, the original creators are doing something with it yeah again. it's not just yeah okay are you familiar with All Star Weekend no right it was the film that Jamie Foxx Directed, Oh, okay. That has been shelved because there's blackface. No, Robert Downey Jr. I think plays a Mexican, maybe, in it. Okay. So it got shelved. It's been made. It has loads of A-list actors in it. Like, it's him, Downey Jr. There's loads of them. They're starting to fill up the shelf in Hollywood, aren't they? I know. Of unreleased films. Yeah. And, like, star-studded cast. Yeah. And he wrote it. He directed it. It was his... I think it's, like, based around basketball. Going to be a big thing for him. Not only has it been shelved... If you go on Jamie Foxx's Wikipedia page, last time I checked, mm. it's not even mentioned. Oh, shit. There's no mention of it. No mention of it being cancelled. It doesn't exist. If you go on his filmography, it's not like... They have unreleased projects on yeah. there. That's not even there. It's just wiped from It's wiped existence. from history. It's not there anymore. Fuck. So, yeah. Make of that what I you I just want. remember, like, 
when Jamie Foxx was on Joe Rogan and just like how staunchly he defended Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder. Yeah. And maybe that's why he like was okay with him doing it in this film. Well, yeah, he asked him to do it. Obviously. But that's just a fact. This film was made. It was approved and yeah, it yeah. was made with people in 2022 or whenever it was made. Mm-hmm. Presumably quite recently. I think, yeah, a couple of years ago. It got yeah. this far. Do you Another think shot, they yeah. didn't know, like, oh, this might be problematic? It was a, like... Yeah. I don't understand it. It would have been a calculated risk. It would have been like a... Yeah. We know what we're doing. It's going to be fine. We'll yeah. stand our ground. And, and they, they just didn't. didn't. And not only that, they it's wiped from the annals of... It's history. not even like... In Mexican as well. It's not even... I as, think he was Mexican, yeah. It's not even as if he was in blackface. No, probably just doing an accent with some dirt on his face. <laughs> I don't know. But it's just like... Uh, do your garden. In in the, the, you know, all racism not good. Sure. Don't, I did genuinely mean that, by the way. Uh, all races are not good. Is all that what racism said? not oh, good. Oh, right, okay. If it's all races are not good. No, no. Right, okay. <laughs> Everyone's a yeah, piece yeah. of shit, all right? <laughs> We're all equally the worst thing. Yeah. Yeah, all racism not good. I get that. But in the hierarchy of, like, evil... Mm. Mexican racism isn't as high as the other ones, right? You're talking about in the kind of contemporary society, not actually. Like, black racism is the worst racism. Yes, yeah. You deserve to die if you're black racist. No, I'm talking about, like, in culture. How the the Olympics hierarchy. The um, hierarchy of, yeah, oppression. The oppression Olympics. Yeah, oppression Olympics. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Mexican's not quite as high as black. Yeah. But it's probably next. Okay. Asian's low. Asian's low, is it? Asians low, yeah. Okay. There is a, a lot of Asian racism. Mm. Um, and then Jews at the bottom. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, yeah. Jew is white. An Asian will be white in a generation. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, my only point was yeah, like, yeah. I'm surprised that this has happened. Yeah. Given that it's Mexican racism. But may, I, maybe I'm just not up to speed on my oh, racism chart. Anything that's like, oh, let's just not, let's not go there. Okay. Because the whole Bill Maher's talking about, like, people, because Steve Carell plays a Jew in the new FX miniseries The Patient mm. and uh, he's not Jewish and they're calling it Jew face right that's like blackface or Jew face like you see how he kind of come out the other end yeah of it? yeah yeah um, okay Queen's died Queen's dead Queen's dead long live the oh King yeah yeah I was going to do this fine what were you going to do it was a joke that didn't land it's fine what was the joke supposed to be long live the Queen oh Oh, but no, well, that's what you're supposed to say the Queen is dead, long, long live, live the King. The king which <laughs> so, you immediately did. So, so it just makes me look like a fool. Didn't get the joke at all. No. Um, <laughs> okay. She's died. She's a dead Queen. Uh, my pain of her has gone up. No, not, not that she's died, but that, you know, <laughs> hearing people talk. You are rather like her now she's dead. Talking about the various things that she embodied, like duty and responsibility, and the fact that you never knew what she personally thought about anything, yeah. is a good thing. And I think she's the end of something. No, it, it is genuinely like when you realise... When you actually think about it, you sort of realise, oh, the only people that didn't like the Queen are people that don't like royalty. Yes. The people that don't like the royals. Even people that don't have a soft spot for the Queen. Yeah. You know, I think... But my, that's got to be the sign of a good leader, right? Well, my, like, my like my neighbor, the only people who don't like her are the only people that would, wouldn't like anyone that occupied that space. Yeah. My neighbour is a very anti-Tory, anti-monarchist, kind yeah. of left-leaning guy. And he has said, as much as I hate the monarchy, it does feel like a star that was always there is missing. Yeah. And that's what it is. It's like a thing that hung over everything. My kind of take on the coverage is, of course, it was going to be end-to-end, wall-to-wall. Like, yeah. that's all it's going to be for months. And that's fine. It, it is silly. Mm. But of course, it was always going to be that way. Yeah, there's nothing new to report. We said it's, it's a good, like, acid test, really, of um, the 24-hour news thing, which came about as a result of 9-11 because there was something to report on 
not every minute, but it was an evolving story. Yeah. And now the one thing, a sad thing happened. Well, that's the thing. With this eleven, there were discussions to be had. Even if yeah, we yeah. knew all the news that there is to know at the moment, there were discussions to be had about what right what happens now. We know that how he, do we deal with this? Yeah, we all do? we need to know is when's he going to be coronated? When's her funeral? That's kind of it. Yeah, like there's nothing to say about the queen yeah. is dead. It's, it's just it, it's just like oh, what was her life like? Yeah, a memorial thing, and that's fine. But we've kind of done that now. The one good story I heard about her was that Saudi king came over to visit, mm. and she personally picked him up in her car and drove him because obviously it's illegal for women to drive. In Saudi oh, right, okay. To make a little point, I like that. And yeah, just the um, I think both extremes are silly. It's silly to be happy that she's dead. That's why. Like, unless you're Bin Laden, you can't be happy that someone's died. Yeah. And people As are in, sobbing. Unless Bin Laden's died, it's wrong to... Or unless you're specifically Osama Bin Laden. <laughs> unless you're happy that Bin Laden has died. Okay. And it's just like, I don't know, if you don't have anything positive to add to the conversation in that respect, why would you say anything? Mm. I'm generally not of the mind that if you've got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. I'm obviously against that. Mm. But in this case, why would you? Yeah. Why would you add just the toxic sludge to the I just I don't get it mm. you know that's, that's kind of all I have to say about that really yeah I mean the only thing I really want to add is to build on that point you were yeah. making about um, what your neighbour said it feels like a star that was always there yeah. has gone out It we are living history again yeah yeah absolutely you know it, this is the longest reigning monarch maybe ever close to it at least right mm-hmm. like 70 years she was on the throne 96 she died and she is the only monarch that most people that are alive in the UK today have ever known. Absolutely. And ch- children born today that have natural lives will have three monarchs. That's the thing. The yeah. constant that we've had to live with, they're going to have the complete opposite. Yeah. We had one queen for like, as far as we're concerned, our whole lives. Mm-hmm. They're going to have three or four kings yeah. in their lifetime. Not even a queen. No. Unless something like really unprecedented happens. Yeah. There's not going to be another queen for a while. No, we won't It's basically, it's on George to have a daughter before there's another queen. Or for George to die. Or for George to die, yeah. Yeah, For Charlotte Charlotte to take over. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that's kind of mad to think like, oh, just that one thing. And now it's like the complete opposite of what it was. Yeah. Yeah, that's rather, that's rather mad. Also just like the idea, just the thought of like the amount of like coins in the oh, UK I know. his, face, have to on change the, his now. face on the money is going to be ridiculous and the amount of like tats sitting in if you run like a UK gift shop <laughs> you must be like tearing your hair out right now no cost of living crisis no because you're selling everything no but that's the thing like cost of living crisis is on top of everything yeah all of your tats is now yeah. worthless yeah but it's not because now it's memorabilia now it's history now it's not I mean I know it's tat yeah but now when are people going to be buying Queen stuff more it was like when I remember the Stuart Lee joke about the um, the Pope dying mm. and I think someone was like there at the procession of the coffin or, or something like that and they, they were eating or they were selling Pope lollies <laughs> right I was like I don't know what the appropriate thing is the Pope has died it would now be inappropriate to lick a sugar effigy of his face. <laughs> or the Pope has died. What better time to, <laughs> to lick a sugar effigy of his face? Of and it's kind of the same, you know, now do you not buy any Queen stuff or do you buy all the Queen stuff? Mm. It's, I don't know. But yeah, she's dead. R.I.P. Queen. Madge. you match. you match. And the Emmys happened yesterday as as of this recording. Yes, finally something recent. Yes. We're back well, in the familiar Queen's, territory. The Queen's relatively recent. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. that happened. Uh, I know happened quite fast, it, I, I know it feels like it wasn't, but yeah. Uh, it's last, out, yeah, that was less than a week ago. Thursday she died. Jesus. Yeah, it's Tuesday today. Emmy's the only thing that would be of interest to you, mm-hmm. to us. Succession won Best Drama Series this, again. This is good news. This is good. 
it, it won writing for a drama series. This is for, also good for news. the for the finale because that it always does. Yeah. Um, and um, no, it shouldn't. It wasn't the best written episode. No, but it, they always win for finale or pilots. Yeah, it's just the way it goes because usually a showrunner does it and they want to give the writing yeah. to the showrunner. Lee Jung Jae won actor for Squid Game. Oh, um, really? Yeah, he was the favourite for that. Okay. Uh, Zendaya won again for Euphoria. Right. Of course she did. And then a bunch of things that don't really matter. But Matthew McFadden won Best Supporting Actor. Oh, that is good. Yeah, for Succession. Yeah. Kieran Culkin was the favourite. I had a horrible feeling they were going to give it to one of the Squid Game people. But no, Matthew McFadden, who is my favourite thing about Succession, won. Yes, especially yeah. in season three. Yeah, especially in season three. Yeah. I'm glad that I just got the feeling like, oh, he's going to be one of the best things about that show and never get recognised for it. I thought maybe season four would be a shot because it looks like he's going to have a much bigger mm. role than he already has. But he is great. Yeah. And he deserved it. He's really good. So that's it. Okay. Okay, now on to the proper reviews. Oh, the proper... Okay. No, I lied. There's something before that. No? Yeah. What? Sam's Lexicorner. <gasps> on tray. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's Lexicorner. All right, this is a very quick one. Uh, we were, we're doing a quiz, quizzes at the moment where you have to guess an actor by their filmography. Mm. And we're like, oh, what would the television uh, equivalent be? And it is filmography. It goes by the same thing. But it does feel like it should have its own term. Yeah, filmography is like film. Discography is music. Bibliography is books. What's games? It's ludography, I think. Oh, is that an actual thing? Maybe. Yeah, that makes sense, ludography. Yeah. Okay, well, this isn't revolutionary. It's just what it would be called. So it's what we're going to call it. Okay. Telography. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Not telegraphy, because that's a thing involving telegraphs. So, telegraphy. Right. An actor's body of work on television. Samuel. Words. Phrases. Sam's lexicon. And now for the first proper <laughs> Now we're review. jumping into yeah. it. Yeah. The Northman. The Northman. It's not that kind of North Shore, is it? Oh, is it not? No. Did I watch the right film? Uh, did you watch a documentary about people on the dole in Manchester? Yeah. Oh, good, because that's what we're going to review. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were doing an Icelandic accent. <laughs> um, no, Robert Eggers, the Northman. Um, what's the plot, George? Uh, <laughs> from what I remember, the plot is Alexander Skarsgård? Yeah. No, not initially. Initially, it's his child. He is the child. He is the child. Yes. Well, he's not the child. He doesn't play the his child. Character his character is a, is a child. Is a child. Yes, Robert Eggers. No, not Robert Eggers. Fuck. The, right. So Ethan Hawke's in this as well. Yeah. He plays the king. Yes. The, the guy that will soon be Alexander Skarsgård. His play, child. Plays his child. Yes. His child. They go no, no, no. Not the guy that will soon be Alexander Skarsgård plays his child. Yeah, plays Ethan Hawke's child. Oh, play, okay. <laughs> plays um, Alexander Skarsgård's child. Yes. Okay. So they, they have like... The, the no, king. It, still doesn't, it, it still doesn't make sense, but just go on. Right, well, the king comes home from yeah. out being out there with the ki- being the king. Yes. D- d- raiding and pillaging and all, that. and all that. Yeah. And he's like, I'm, 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 I'm sort of done with this. Right. My son is now going to go through a coming of age ceremony. Right. With me. It's not... Dirty, I realised that made that sound a bit. The king comes home. <laughs> the king comes home. And, and he's his, like, his, you child, his son come is... to this like secluded hut with me and Willem Dafoe and you will become a man. Right. Oh, fuck, no, that's no, worse. Right, fine, okay. But he's no, be- that's worse. But he, I know, leave it there, just leave it there. Okay. We don't have you go into this minutiae. The king comes home, his yeah. son is going to take over the throne. Yes. So he begins the process of becoming a man. Yeah, that's not yeah, right. Yeah, coming of age. But then the king is betrayed by his brother. Yes. Who kills him. Yes. 
and the king's brother the Not king's, the king's brother. son's brother no 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 the king's brother betrays him and then kills the village does all that shit yeah presumably kind of forcibly takes the king's wife yes as his own and the child escapes rows off vowing to wreak revenge yes to have his revenge and then we jump ahead in time to when he is indeed played by Alexander Skarsgård yes and thus the film commenceth properly yes Alexander Skarsgård is a man with with some rage yes that he has not been resolved mm-hmm. um, and that brings him back to Iceland yeah because detail of the film I kind of like actually is in the in that like 30 year time gap or whatever it is mm-hmm. you find out that the king's brother sort of overthrew that little kingdom and then another guy came along and overthrew him like, yes. almost straight away yeah yeah so now he's just like this nobody yeah they're like sheep farmers in Iceland so it's not even like this big like I'm coming back to the kingdom that was once mine no no it's like the remnants of like it's barely his king it's barely yes, a kingdom the it's not even his anymore yeah which I thought was quite nice but yeah he comes back sort of like forms a partnership with Anya Taylor-Joy along mm-hmm. the way who's kind of this like oh I can like do things yeah she's like that person right um, and it's been a while since I've seen it yeah it has been a it's while it's been a long time but it's yeah it's, it's like on a very like simple level it's a very simple film it's just like man yeah. seeketh revenge film it's a Nordic gladiator yeah that's what it is um, it's gorgeous as you'd expect I don't know how Robert Eggers does it <laughs> or his yeah. cinematographer I guess I should give the cinematographer credit as well well yeah I mean, I watched, like, a compressed 1080 stream right. of this film, and I felt like I was watching it in 4K. Yeah. It looks gorgeous. Yeah. And so, like, rich with detail. Like, yeah, The Lighthouse, you can kind of... Because The Lighthouse was black and white, and it was shot on, like, proper old film grain. Yeah, and so the it had, ratio as well. And the ratio yeah. as well, so it had real texture to it. Yeah. I don't know what this was shot on, mm-hmm. but this had texture as well. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how he does it because every film of his is like amazing, like visually. Oh, you feel it, yeah. You smell it, you taste it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. If Prey was inauthentic, this is the complete inverse of that. This feels like, even if it's not like, well, I mean, the dialogue helps it make it feel like it's of that time period. Yes, that was another problem with Prey is they all just kind of speak like normal people. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's that Robert Eggers like the archaic language, archaic poetic dialogue. Well, the archaic language is still fantastic, but it's not the star, as it has been in mm. The Witch and The Lighthouse. Yeah. It's not the thing of the film. No. The thing is the story. The mm. thing is the epic scope and the visuals of it. Yeah. And I missed it. I did. I missed that kind of concentrated script, you know. Of, of, it's that pure dialogue. I don't know. It's still, it's still hit for me. It certainly mm. wasn't as prevalent as it was with the last two. Yeah. Like The Witch and The Lighthouse. You need subtitles going into those yeah. films because yeah. they're so concentrated and like just alien the yeah. way that those characters speak. Uh, whereas this, it, it was like you could like understand them. Yeah, you could like, understand it, them. They, yeah. They, 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 it was fun listening to them. There were like some moments where just like I don't know, just the way they, they like, phrase things just made me laugh. Yeah. Well, I know that it, it, it was slightly compromised by the studio. Like, it's not the exact film he wanted to put Which out. is unfortunate, because it's, like... Do we both recommend it? On balance, yeah. It's the weakest film in his filmography, but it would is. you say it's a weak film? It's not a bad film. No. No, it's... Okay, right, the good things about it... The well, I was just going to say, it's, yeah, yeah. it's a shame. It would be a shame. If we both recommend it, it's yeah. a shame that it went the way that it did. Yeah. Because Robert Eggers has publicly said, I'm never working with the studio again. Yes. After working with on them with 
the Northman. Yeah. And that's a shame because it because of the product that came from that. Yeah, and it would be a, a decent, a, a better film if it wasn't him, frankly. Mm. As, you know, you didn't have those expectations going into it. Yeah, yeah. The archaic language is still fab, like I said, but it, it's just, it's not the star of the film. Mm. It's visually amazing. It's an expanded scope. It is an epic, yeah. you know. And it's undeniable that revenge as a theme just runs deep in people. Mm. There's like a visceral thrill, like, I am his vengeance. Yeah. You can't help but like, get that little yeah but there are problems Mm. and the problems are it verges on goofy but it knows it I'll give it that it knows that it can be goofy yeah the accents I'm not sure about I think a Chernobyl approach would have been better yeah Chernobyl uh, Death of Stalin where it's like just do your normal accent normal accent and we'll kind of fill it in and we don't question it yeah Obviously, in Stalin, it, it works a little bit more because you've got Bashami doing his natural... It's kind of funny mm. that he's doing that. Whereas, uh, as long as they're kind of assuming... I mean, Ethan Hawke doing his normal dramatic voice or Skarsgård doing... You're not going to... It's not going to be funny or uh, mm. absurd. You would just accept it. It verges on an excess of abstraction, I would say. It, it kind of... It can be, be too... Because of its supernatural elements. Yeah. And uh, it, it's too visually poetic at points. Mm. It's like I would have preferred it to be a bit more grounded. I suppose. I mean, that element of it I wasn't expecting. So it was kind of a nice surprise when right. it was like, oh, this isn't just a straightforward grounded. There is like stuff going on behind the scenes mm-hmm. in like in the story. I kind of get what you mean, though, because mm-hmm. it does feel like, well, the, you know, it, like, oh, he's out for revenge. And they, on the one hand, you've got that kind of like brutal, like grounded yeah. kind of like violence Earthy. and yeah. earthiness and like that you know they're down in the muck and you mm-hmm. can feel it but there is this thing hanging over the film where like oh it's all predetermined and there are yeah. people within the story mm-hmm. that are tapping into that like yeah. predetermined I th- and I think just visual flights of fancy as well where it's just kind of uh, rain it in a bit and you know and, and the story is very nuts and bolts it mm. is gladiator it's that story it is you know she's pregnant with his child and the child will become a you know it, it's it's that story yeah and like I said I, I I thought it was fine I did like it but I it was also a disappointment but not because it's a bad film okay just because it's not as good as I hoped it would be if you're Eggers completist obviously watch it mm. I just think all said and done I prefer Eggers working with density over scale I think him in confined environments where it's the language and the performances, that's what I like about him. When it's expanded, mm. well, I'll just say well, this, it, in this case. It's distilled, isn't it? When it's yeah, expanded. Right, exactly. And so I thought that was a shame, but it's still better than most films. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was still good. It was still enjoyable. I enjoyed my time watching it. Yes. And performances are good, you know? And yeah. Kidman is a bit weird yeah I mean (laughs) I couldn't help but think of like this is something nobody's gonna get Mm -hmm. so I don't even know why I'm bringing it up but you remember Murder and Successful right yes we watched together remember the the woman's Bjork impression yeah 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 I am a fantastical star child yeah it's like that I just thinking of that the whole film even when it was like Skarsgård and people that are sort of have that Icelandic background yeah I was just thinking of that the whole time. Bjork's in it as well, isn't she? I think Bjork's in it, yeah. Yeah, Bjork Bjork is like... She's Icelandic, isn't she? Yeah, she's one of the people that's like, I know all the things. Yeah, she's like the, yeah, witch to say a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is a court jester. Sort of. Of course he fucking is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Willem Dafoe being a bit mental, basically. Yeah. Ethan Hawke is good. He does carry himself with kind of a... Is regality a word? It should be. A regalness. You Mm. know, he does feel like a king. 
and Skarsgård is just a big guy, so he, he kind of easily mm. carries that off. I think it's Kla- either Klaus or Klaus. I think it's Klaus. Klaus Bang, who plays the villain. Okay. He was good. Um, yeah. Like, he's, he's the guy in Bad Sisters, which we will also, well, I'll review on a future podcast. Mm. He's the husband. He's the bastard husband that they kill. Oh, right. Okay. Um, yeah. And he played Dracula, didn't he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he's good. Yeah, he is good. Yeah. Not not a total, like, I guess, I guess I should have expected it from Eggers, but he's not a total bastard. No. He's, yeah, exactly. He's human. Yeah. And the final fight is great as well. Yeah. In the volcano or next to a volcano or something. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, it's 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 very well choreographed. Yeah. And it is visceral. It is that visceral thrill mm. of, yeah, fucking kill him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can, I can easily foresee someone going into this and just being very satisfied yeah and there's a nice little twist as well it's been long enough we can uh, we can say where the mother is not at all sympathetic yeah the mother's part she's basically the reason it's all happened yeah she wanted the king killed she is in love with you know yeah yeah. so um yeah just nice things like that that kind of like push that film towards being its own beast yeah it's like ooh okay yeah yeah That's that's a nice thing the character has to deal with now yeah so overall I'd say a recommendation. Yeah, it's a recommendation. Yeah. Do you think it's got mass appeal? I, I, I think no. this is a discussion a few people have had around this film. Now. I don't think it does. Okay. I, I think the story does, but I think its presentation and the language kind of cut it off at the knees a little bit. Okay. It doesn't have mass appeal. Okay. But it, but it's not as niche as the other two films he's made. Um, no. No, 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 no. But no, I don't think it quite rises to the level of mass appeal. Okay. Yeah. I'm not saying that's like a bad thing. Oh, no, no, a bad not- thing. No, no, no. But that I, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, just, I'm just wondering if this is like the ideal it's our best chance I suppose but if this is the ideal Eggers gateway film it's it's a, if you're going to try him yeah it's a gateway film it's um, but then again it doesn't it doesn't give an, quite an accurate reflection of the kind of stuff he does mm. in, in some ways it does but yeah it's it's like his version of a Marvel movie of a blockbuster you know what I mean yeah alright like blockbuster I, I mean yeah. yeah not Marvel a yeah, mainstream yeah. you know action movie so yeah that's it yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another film review. The Unbearable oh, Weight. Oh, yeah. There's going to be a couple. There's going to be a few. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Which we also watched, what, six months ago or something? Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. it about, George? It's about Nicolas Cage. Yep. Yep. Go on. Nope. It's about Nicolas Cage. That's it? Pretty much. What's the plot? It's Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage plays Nicolas Cage. Yes. Uh, who is called... Nicolas Cage. Who is called... Nicolas Cage. To put, we, I don't have time! <laughs> is he or is he not called Nicolas Cage yes, in the film? Yes, I'm trying to elaborate. Oh, right, okay. He is Nicolas Cage playing yes. Nicolas Cage. Yes. The character is called Nicolas Cage. Yes. And he is uh, booked for someone's birthday party. Is that what it is? Oh, called for... Oh, right, I see where you... Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were genuinely like... No, oh, he's no, called no, no. this name. If the, audio, if the audio is spiked, I apologise. I whacked the table in <laughs> anger. Um... Yeah, Pedro Pascal hires him for a birthday party, right? Yes. And then basically Nicolas Cage is contacted by the CIA who say he's a massive drug kingpin. Yeah. And we want you to help us take him down. Mm. It's a very meta film about Cage's filmography and the budding friendship between him and Pedro Pascal. Well, that sort of becomes like a subplot, doesn't it? Is they start writing a film together. Right. And even though the film that we're seeing is not the film that they write. Mm-hmm. Oh no, I think it does end up being that, right? It kind of. Oh, got, spoiler, my apologies. No, no, that's fine. It's got, we've said that, haven't we? Yeah. It's, it's a bit of an adaptation kind of. Yeah. yeah. 
But like it's yeah, it's like it's following the beats of their film, even if it's not necessarily one to one. Yes, again, yeah, I, you end up watching the film. Yeah, the like, finale is that. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, again, I would say it's sort of meta comedy done right. I would agree. It's um, it, not least because it's not a crutch for the comedy of this film. Well, it was neither too indulgent nor too restrained. No, I thought it, it, it was that nice balance. You hear that? Like this film is called The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, and mm. it's Nick Cage playing himself. Yeah, you go, oh god. Oh, yeah, we go. I think we even did that on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Like Eddie told us about it, we were like, oh god. Yeah, it's like I'm thinking of ending things. Like a Charlie Kaufman film called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah, no, it, it doesn't it, it does live up to that title, but it, it it's not um weighed down by it. Well it's what not. was a nice surprise as well is that it wasn't a Nick Cage like not not like creation myth. But yeah. you, you know what I'm trying to get at, right? Yeah, it was pretty down to earth considering it wasn't like um, Machete, where it's Machete goes to space. Yeah, it's like oh, he's so it's not like Chuck Norris then. It kind of does play with those Nicolas Cage. Um, oh, he's a bit mental, you know, mm. and he's actor, you know, that sort of thing. But the film is not in love with Nicolas Cage. No, he just plays himself. Yeah, which was a yeah. nice surprise. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, but Pedro Pascal's a standout. Oh yeah, he, he, yeah, he stole the film. He's great. He completely in it. stole the film. Yeah. I, I became nervous initially when Ike Barinholtz and Tiffany Haddish showed up. Oh, yeah, the like all the kind of films they're in. Yeah, and, like, they've got a couple of lines, don't they? He starts going on about his ex-wife at one point, yeah. and it's like, oh, this feels very, like, clunky, mm. awkward shit By comedy. the numbers, yeah. There, are some ir- there is some irritating humour. Yeah. And a few gag reflexes. Yes. But overall, I thought it was well handled. But there's also, like, good humour in there as well. Mm-hmm. The sequence where they drop acid is great. Yeah, that's good. Because, it, like, it, it feels well observed as well. Yeah. Um, sort of, you know, like, from, from our own experience, or at least mm-hmm. from my experience, that sequence where they, like, they're just talking about their film. Yeah. And they, like, look at those two guys over there. Imagine that they're, like, characters in our film and they're yeah. watching us. Yeah, yeah. And then they both convince themselves that they're... It's happened, it, That they're, they're watching <laughs> yeah. them. And yeah, then yeah. there's like a moment later on where they they like escape. <laughs> and then the, the nothing that's happening. Nothing yeah, that's yeah. happening. And then they see two guys again. I'm not entirely get convinced they were even the same guys. Yeah, I but don't. they react yeah, yeah. to them as though they are, and yeah, they get yeah. freaked out. Like a lot of that's like a lot of that's really funny. Yeah, and they try to climb a wall, thinking like it's the final time they're going to see each other. And yeah. sacrifice himself, and he just walks around the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, ultimately, it ends up being a very traditional blockbuster. Pretty if much. you remove the meta kind of aspect of it, yeah, and you just think that's oh, about an actor that is sent to this like resort, mm. pla- you know, I was pleasantly surprised to see Sharon Horgan in it. Which one's that? His wife. Oh right, okay. Again, back to Bad Sisters. Um, it was visually uninteresting. Yeah, that's definitely a point against it. Yeah. Is it, it just looks. It doesn't. It doesn't really have an identity of its own visually. Anyway. No, it doesn't. Yeah, the, it's it's got that kind of like overlit, yeah, Hollywood comedy look to it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. There are three problems with the film that kind of hold it back. That's one of them. Mm. Another one is that it's funny, but it's it's not hilarious. It's never like, oh my God, that's so funny, you know, for what it is. Yeah. It's not as funny as it could have been. Yeah, I guess like a moment that represents that for me is the moment where he, he gets injected with the the whatever the thing is. Oh, and he's going to die. And, yeah. yeah, and he he has that moment where like his body's going limp. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I'm talking like this. Yeah, and he's yeah. got to like do this dangerous thing yeah perfect setup for like again like a Rowan Atkinson or Wolf I think of they Wall even, Street style. I think they even ha- yeah Wolf of Wall Street yeah. but I think they even have it in Johnny English don't they where he's injected with like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. and it's like he's got, still got to be a spy yeah and that sequence never really took off for me I never no. feel like he really committed to the whole oh I'm like physically incapacitated but I still have to do this thing yeah 
it felt quite reserved, weirdly. Yeah, it did. So, yeah, not as funny as it should have been. Mm. Visually uninteresting. And it is darkened by the shadow of things similar to it that are better, like adaptation. Yeah. It's just not, it doesn't rise to the level of a Charlie Kaufman script or, you know, mm. that, that, or like. Being John Malkovich, maybe? Well, Charlie Kaufman, yeah. But, yeah, oh, well, yeah, or, of course, or like, yeah. Or like Martin McDonough, you know, like even Seven Psychopaths, I think was probably better. Okay. But I think I'm probably a minority there. But uh, yeah, it just it just didn't. It's not on that level. Mm. But yeah, it had setups and payoffs that we didn't expect. Yeah, it's like oh no, it's like it's not just that random American humor thing. It does. It's a constructed. Yeah, thing. there's a reason for this. It was yeah. written. Yeah, and that's the best thing I can say about it. Really. Yes. It was properly. <laughs> it, was, it written. was written. So yeah, I think we recommend that, don't we? I would recommend it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And another film review. Everything, everywhere. All at once. Oh, God. We've yeah. already reviewed a lot, Sam, and now you want to review everything. Everything, ever, all at once, I know. <sighs> that was me reviewing everything. <laughs> <laughs> Not the film. No, it was yes. all the sounds of me reviewing yeah. everything. All at once. Um, every noise in the universe every at noise. once. I, again, have little to say, which is surprising for a film titled that. But I watched it a while ago, mm. and I didn't know whether we'd be reviewing it or not. Okay. What's the plot? You want me to give you the plot of everything, everywhere, all at once? I do. Oh god! All right. So there's this 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 China China woman mm-hmm. called Sarah O oh, or whatever her name is. No, oh, that's the actor. No, well the actress Sandra O. Oh, Sandra O. Oh, and yeah. it's not her. You're racist. What? Who is it? Michelle Yeoh is the actor. Oh, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Well, forgive me, Sam. <laughs> yeah, it's not Sandra O, oh, is it? Well, and they do look different. I don't know who these women are. Okay, but it's not Sandra O. Oh. Okay, it's Michelle Yeoh. It's Michelle Yeoh. All Yeoh. right, Michelle Yeoh plays a China woman, and she is she runs a laundrette. Mm-hmm. With her husband, mm-hmm. who convinced her to get the laundrette, and they are struggling financially. Mm-hmm. And they go to the IRS because their 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 taxes are uh, there's inconsistencies in mm-hmm. their finances or whatever. And while there, she is approached by her husband from another universe, mm-hmm. who basically says there is somebody from another universe that is coming to kill you. Mm-hmm. Follow my instructions. And so she does that, and it basically devolves into this mad kind of like fights chase escapade where she is like trying to stay alive and escape the person who's trying to kill her while jumping between different universes and then everything just starts to like bleed into her reality and it it goes off the rails a little bit it's from the Daniels okay uh, which are the two guys that did Swiss Army Man yes which is a film that I really 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 liked when I saw it Mm -hmm. and it fell down the rankings very quickly for me after that yeah I have a feeling based on what you've told me mm-hmm. before about this that the same thing is true for you of this film. I never liked it that much. Oh, you never? Oh, right. No, no, no. Um, I, I acknowledge its strengths. Yeah. Um, you know, well edited, well directed, all that sort of thing. It's a strong outing, like, in terms oh, of it's filmmaking. Strong. It's, it's, it's a very strong outing. And it's received rave reviews. Yeah. It, you know, it probably will be Oscar nominated. Well, it's, oft, it's been used as, like, the counterpoint to Multiverse of Madness, hasn't it? Obviously, yes, because they came out at the same time. Same and, time, both yeah. Multiverse films. One's yeah. big studio tentpole blockbuster. Yeah. And the other one is like, oh, it's this little indie film. Yeah. But they might not have heard of. But yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yes, I really like... Kei Hui Kwan, who's the husband. He's my favourite thing about it. Me too. I, um, I initially thought I was going to be annoyed by him. Me too. But he, yeah. Yeah, he of the Goonies and Indiana Jones on the Temple of Doom. Yeah. Yeah, he's returned to acting. Yeah, it's been he's a good. while, right? Yeah, he's good. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is also rather good. Yeah, she was fun. As the tax lady. Yeah, the dishevelled, frumpy tax lady. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just not my cup of tea. 
That's what it comes down to. But I, I acknowledge all the things that are good about too it. Too silly? Too silly to... Um, I like things that have limits. Okay. And that's a weird... Th- like, generally speaking, when you can do anything, mm. when you can do everything all at once, why? how can you decide on any one thing? Mm. Goofy? Yeah, like, just things like that. They're really not my thing. I mean, the film knows it's silly, right? Oh, it does, yeah. it's, it's uh, This is not a criticism. If you like that, you will like it. Yeah. I, I, I understand that for the people who are into those sorts of things and that tone it's probably to be amongst their favourite films like yeah. it's that kind of film I, I mean I think this is what the Daniels do this is their kind of like last thing yeah I never liked Swiss Army Man right you know? okay but yeah. I think that's their unique selling point is they're very tonally like weird weird yeah. like they can be profane and silly and kind of heartfelt within the same scene yeah um, I mean you've got the obviously like silly stuff like the um the, when they're fighting the guys that have the things shoved up their ass, Yeah. And just, like, weird, like, you know, universes that they jump into. Mm-hmm. But it does... The film does have an emotional punch at the end, or at least it's going for an emotional yeah. punch at the end. And I guess it's kind of nice that they brought it down to that. This yeah. isn't just frivolous nonsense. No, it's ultimately about a human yeah, story. Yeah, this is a very human story, ultimately. And that's nice, but... I think it's dependent on you liking the daughter, and I didn't like the daughter. Nor did I. Yeah. Because she's a millennial. This is a, there's a trend. <laughs> Seems to it's be, just so it? hard to like young people. Well, it's just like... And maybe it's because we set, we spend so much time with the mother. Mm. So when the daughter comes back at her and is like, oh, I'm so exhausted by our relationship. It just sounds like she hasn't been trying. <laughs> um, but it's also just anyone who says the sentence, I'm so exhausted by our relationship. Mm. What kind of person is it? Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I think we just have to like educate ourselves. Yeah. And oh God, just say I don't like you. Mm. Jesus Christ. Do you know what I mean though? Like yeah. that that vibe. Yeah. No, it is it is unfortunate because yeah, I think you need that. That's the that was the missing piece for me. Mm. Fine with the silliness. Obviously, loved the way it was made. Really liked the central performances. Yeah. But the daughter was the weak link for me, and that is a very unfortunate weak link to have. Considering that's yeah. supposed to be the big gut punch at the end well she's the main villain she's the main villain that's what what you find out is like the daughter a version of the main character in one of their universes basically like poured the entire multiverse into her daughter's head okay something like that I can't remember and now she's able to like jump between universes on the fly and so she's hunting down her mother I think initially you're supposed to think it's to kill her Mm. and then it's sort of like it's one of those things where it's, it's very like madcap high concept sort of stuff but like ultimately it's it's about this very small Drama, you know, it's yeah. it's really about a mother and a daughter, but we're going to use that to yes, infinitize. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of people already like it, mm. and I think a lot of people would like it. I don't. I, if the Northman is not widely accessible, this is surely widely accessible, right? This is more accessible than the Northman. Yeah, yeah, because because of its humor, mm. you know, and it's not hard to understand. That's the thing. Dealing yeah. with like all of the stuff that it throws your way. It, it is it is very, like, you can follow it very easily. Yeah. And it's silly and it's, you know, it's fun if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah, no, this is one of those where I recommend it to anyone who fancies it, mm. you know, but it, it just wasn't for me. Okay. Yeah. That's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. But I sort of knew going in, like, even out the rave reviews, you know, selling is like the best film of the year or all that kind of thing. I kind of knew I wasn't going to love it. Okay. It, it just, I just knew the vibe of it. It was like, eh, you know. But I wouldn't discourage anyone from watching it. Okay. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it more than you, certainly. Yes. But I think it is going to be a film with diminishing returns. I think every time I watch it, That's it's it. going to get slightly worse for me. Yeah. I don't know if it'll ever dip into the point where it's like, oh, yeah, I don't like this film anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's certainly going to lose its 
Your like, novelty is what I had going for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think it's the type of film where if you're going to watch it, you should always watch it with someone who's never seen it before. Okay. Because the film has surprise on its side. Yeah. It's not one of those, like, spoilery films. It's not like... No, no, no. Oh, I, I can ruin the plot for you. It's the experience of, like, oh, what mad shit are they going to do next? It's just weird, yeah. And then I think, like, the kind of emotional stuff at the end is, like, a nice cathartic release for when you're in a... If you're in a group of people. Yes, yes. So that would be my... I mean, that's the approach I'm probably going to take with it. If I'm ever going to watch it again, I'll make sure it's with somebody who's not seen it before. Okay. Because I feel like, at least through them, I'll kind of recapture that experience that I'm never going to get back for myself. Okay. And I would say it's not... If if you're not interested already, I wouldn't say seek it out. But if it's the kind of thing you fancy, Mm. then you should watch it. Okay. That's what I would say. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Guess what we're doing now? What are we doing now? Another film review. You're joking. I know. Top Gun Maverick. That is another film. Yeah, uh, you saw this before I did. Yes. I held off for a long time. Not exactly sure why, but I did, and I watched it. Okay. Yeah, because usually when you do that, it's for something like Parasite or Midnight Mass. That I suspect I'm really going to like. Yeah. Maybe it was because of the overwhelmingly positive reception for it. This is the thing. I was like, oh, I'm bound to like it. This is the thing. Yeah. Would we watch Top Gun Maverick were it not for the overwhelmingly positive reaction that it got? No. This is the highest grossing film of the year. It's grossed over a billion dollars. It's also the highest rated film of the year. Highest rated film of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not often the two alone. But it's highest rated film of the year. Highest grossing film of the year, which we suspect is purely on good word of mouth. Yeah. And repeat viewing. And repeat viewing as well. Yeah. Because I think it had its original cinematic run and that was it. Yeah. It's not as if they brought it back. No. Because like Spider-Man... The no Way Home? Is that the big Spider-Man? The most recent one? Yeah. I think so. That's back in cinemas now. Yeah. They're obviously the shortest to... window ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're just trying to like, let's make more money off of yeah, it. Yeah. Whereas Top Gun, they were like, no, that's it. We don't Done need to sell more. Yeah. And yeah, made all the money in the world. What's it about? It's, what's about? it's about planes. It's about planes. It's about planes. It's about planes. Tom Cruise. Yeah. Flying a plane. Go on, keep going. That's th- that's the film. That's what happens. Yeah. Or at least, at least some other people. It should be. Flying planes. Or at least it should be. Ah, yeah. Now you're, you're praising <laughs> some of... There's an implied criticism coming. Mm, uh, surely not. Not for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, is it with Blue Ball in the... I mean, can we present this as though it's like a story sometimes? Like, oh, we don't want to give away this, what it's about. But yeah. I didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well... That's the end of that story, isn't it? <laughs> I'll tell you why. Okay. I didn't like it. Right. Broadly speaking, not a fan. Okay, go on. Well, I feel bad. It's You know, I never care about being in the minority when it comes to an opinion. But I do feel like this episode in particular, it's all these films that like best of Yeah. Them. I think we've done three that are in the top five, certainly top ten. Mm. The Northman, uh, Top Gun and everything. Ever. Like they're all rave reviews. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah. Uh, but, Prey as well. And Prey, yeah. Yeah. Okay, the flying sequences look great. Yes. But, as you pointed out to me, and as you now may do so again, okay, it does mean that when CGI is used, it's jarring and it's disappointing. Yeah, I think it's a shame that the marketing for this film pushed so heavily that the, fly- the flying sequences were real, or at the very mm-hmm. least, they were actually flying in planes. Yeah. And the first major flight sequence in the film is so obviously completely fake. Mm -hmm. It's not even a real plane. It's all CGI. It's not shot like any other flight sequence in the film, so there's not even a visual continuity. It's a real shame. Because I I think it undersells it. Because, like, I watched that and I thought, oh, I'm not going to enjoy this now. 
And then when they do bring in like the proper flying sequences later, mm-hmm. I pick right back up again. Right. So yeah, that's a problem. But it's undeniably impressive visually on yeah. the whole. We can't deny that. Oh yeah. Tom Cruise is perfectly okay. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Powell embodies Smarm very well. He certainly does. Those are the good things. So... Oh. <laughs> oh, but so much more happens, Sam. I know. There are two big problems. Go on. So the first, given the scarcity of substance, not none, mm. but scarcity, between the aerial sequences, I might as well have YouTubed videos of people flying planes. Yes, this is... Maybe this is a, a sign of the direction Tom Cruise's career is going in at the moment. You right. sort of said earlier that uh, Sean Bean mm-hmm. is in his little BBC indie drama phase at the moment. Yeah, this is Tom Cruise's real like action films that have really solid action sequences and like nothing else going for them. Right, Mission yeah. Impossible Fallout is the big comparison for me because it's a film that like. I occasionally go back to those action sequences on YouTube and I watch them and I think I should really rewatch this film. Mm-hmm. But I remember watching it and going, oh, there's nothing in between the action sequences. Yeah. Well, it's sort of like the Ne plus Ultra. We're not there yet, but it's that inevitable, okay, what's Tom Cruise's thing? He does his own stunts. Yeah. That's always been his thing. And so you just inflate that infinitely. Mm. Um, but the, is that I mean, necessarily a bad thing? Because like the, oh, the, no, the no, implication no. there is that we will eventually just reach a point where it's just two hours of Tom Cruise doing insane stunts. Yeah, basically. I'm all right with that. I'm fine with that. That's if, the, if only that. If only this was that. Yeah, yeah, but it's not. There's a film around it. And that's the weakest part of the film, is the film 100%. around it. 100%. Yeah. It suffers from the same fundamental shortcoming of gravity. I think it's better than gravity. Yeah. But spectacle is what it's selling. And for what that's worth, it's very well done. But it won't have much of a life outside the cinema, I don't think. Yeah, I can't imagine... I mean, I did watch this at home. Yeah. So. But I couldn't imagine, like, owning it. No. Watching the DVD or anything. Commercially, yes. I think it will have a life outside the cinema because people will buy it. Yeah. But otherwise, no. Like, in terms of um, its impact. Yeah. Um, and how good people think it is. I think some fibre between the flash would have been welcome. Yeah. But it's probably the best version of what it is. But what it is has limitations. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. In terms of, like, trying to be the film and trying to do the insane stunt stuff. Yeah. It's probably the best version of that. Tom Cruise could have been, like, more of... He could have had something to do, right? I feel like he even had more to do in Fallout than this. Yeah, I think so. I I preferred Fallout. I like Fallout more than I like Like, in this, I just, like, I have a memory of him, like, when he's not flying the plane and when he's not doing the plot. Mm. He'll just be, like, in the presence of a character and they'll character at him. Yeah. And he'll just kind of smile. Right. That's all I remember him doing in this film. I don't. He doesn't yeah, do anything. Yeah, he's barely really. there. Really. Yeah. Well, he just plays Tom Cruise now, doesn't he? I mean, he's never. You know, what like but, great but characterization. Ethan Hawke is Tom Cruise. This is barely Ethan Hawke. He's not Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Hunt. Ethan Hunt's <laughs> yeah, yeah. mistake. Ethan Hawke is not Tom Cruise. <laughs> no, that is that is given. <laughs> yeah. um, um, but that's that's what I mean. Like, he's had a couple of roles in his career where he's acted, mm. where they've been characters. Yes. Magnolia being one. But other than a few that, good men. A few good men. Like born on the fourth of July to some degree, but other than collateral, that, yeah, collateral, yeah, yeah. But even Jerry Maguire, you know, like he's basically playing Tom Cruise, and mm. that, that's what he's done now for the noughties, yeah, certainly since the noughties. So the second big problem, okay, is the ambiguity of the enemy, the quote unquote the enemy. Okay, I concede that it doesn't need to be specific. Mm. They obviously thought they could get away with vagueness and avoiding any offence. Uh, but as Bill Maher pointed out, it's a problem. There isn't a single enemy we can all rally against. That is a problem. But no one, there's no one in the world. We can all go, yeah, they're bad. Mm. North Korea, for instance. Okay. 
At first, I thought the lack of specificity really wouldn't matter, given the story the film was telling. He's training these new pilots. That's kind of the, the meat of it. It's, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. However, the more the mission is discussed, and when Jennifer Connelly refers to Maverick flying in Bosnia and Iraq, and when the mission actually begins, and particularly after they crash, and especially when all the equipment in the enemy hangar has English writing all over it, right. and the faces of the enemy pilots are conspicuously obscured, mm. it just starts to feel a bit weird and a bit forced. Okay. And it starts to feel like a video game, or more specifically, an arcade game. Yeah, Afterburner. Is that, is that an arcade game? Yeah, that's yeah. that's an arcade game where you fly these planes, I think. Right, on missions. and Yeah, yeah and it's like an on-rails thing, where it's like you have a set path and you just have to shoot the things yeah. down. Like I said, it didn't need it to be, oh, it's China, it's Russia, like, and you go into the nitty-gritty of what... But they avoid it so much. That's the thing, though. I feel like if you do name an enemy, even if it's one that, like, most people are like, yeah, all right, like Russia, yeah. who's realistically going to look at Russia being the bad guys mm. in a film that came out now and go, oh, no, Russia are good. They don't do anything. But also dodgy. Russians have always been the bad guys in movies. Yeah. British people and Russians. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with Russia? Like, China, I get. Because I think China, initially, there was a big part of the funding came from China. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no way you're going to get a Chinese villain in no. Top Gun. And then they backed out yeah. when they thought that the themes might not go over so well in China. Okay. And you could tell that was like the ethos of the film was, oh, we, just, we don't offend anybody. Yeah. But Russia are not investing in the film. Like, no. okay, and Russia, we probably aren't sending movies over to Russia at the moment. No, we're certainly not. So, did I say yeah. it at the time that I was like, oh, really? Our big punishment for Vladimir Putin for destroying Ukraine is that he doesn't get to watch Sonic 2? Right, exactly. Or, or you do some chicken shit thing that people have, that filmmakers have done throughout the ages, like the Republic of, you know, Konkrova. Yeah. You just make up some Soviet disbanded republic. The only thing there is that I genuinely don't know the answer to this question because yeah. I haven't seen the first Top Gun, nor do I feel compelled to. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't know if Top Gun was rooted in the real world. So is it weird that know. like, oh, the enemy in Top Gun 1 was China, mm. say for sake of example, but in Top Gun 2, it's fictional Stan. I get that. Here's here's what... I haven't seen the first Top Gun either. I no. also have no inclination to watch it. Yeah. My guess would be... And like I said, all this could be completely wrong. Mm. What I know about the film is it's a lot more homoerotic, a lot more jingoistic, yeah. a lot more 80s. Yeah. And in the age of Reagan, and that kind of informed all the 80s Hollywood movies about, yeah, like I'm a man, man America, fuck yeah, yeah, that whole thing. They probably weren't pussyfooting as much as they do now. Yeah. They're probably less scared of, like, yeah, fuck you, we got Reagan, man. Yeah. You know, we got Star Wars. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know if they do specify. Maybe they don't. Because mm. I know, again, in that, the fundamental theme is the brotherhood of, you know, that, like, yeah, they're on the beach playing volleyball and yes, they're, you know, yeah, macho yeah. and all. But I, I don't see why they wouldn't have specified who the villains are. Mm. I mean, you've got things like the West Wing, like, what's the African country that they come for help and then... Oh, Kumar? No, Kumar is the Middle Eastern nation. Yeah. But not that one. The African one where they come for aid because there's a famine... And then he goes back and he's killed by the militia that have taken over his country. I know the one you're on about. Yeah, yeah. That's a fictional African. But I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. that's fictional. Kumar's fictional. Yeah. And you kind of... Even though that's very rooted in the real world. Yeah. But I find that okay because there are big storylines around it. And specific, yeah. like, make up the countries. That's fine. Well, even if, but, it's, even if it's a case of, like, oh, we don't want to upset... Even if it's... Sorry. If it's, even if it's not a case of, oh, we don't want to upset a real country. Yeah. It just gives you more creative license if you make the country up. You're not bound yeah. by the real-life politics or restrictions of that nation. You can sort of do your own thing with it. Exactly, but you're, kind of, you're obviously alluding to mm. 
oh, it's like Kazakhstan, or it's basically China, yeah, exactly. or it's Uganda. Or... But yeah. I mean, the thing that I was going to say with the, um, like, oh, if it was Russia, if it was China, mm-hmm. like, even if you just give them a name, like, it's exactly the same film, but we know they're fighting Russian forces. Yeah. It does invite, I think just naming the enemy invites you to kind of like, nowadays at least, mm-hmm. it invites you to like, know, want to know more about them. It'd be, yeah. it'd be weird if it's like, oh yeah, we're fighting Russia, and we just never talk about Russia in the but film. But I have a feeling that, I mean, mainstream action films are a very different breed than they used to be. Mm. But I know like in White House Down, I feel like it's the North Koreans. Or- Maybe. On Olympus for one of them, one of those films. Yeah. In fairness, um, I think that was before they they started launching nuclear weapons and threatened to blow us all up. North Korea. No, yeah. no, it, it wasn't. Like they've always been like that. My point being that I think we might be part in in a, the woke international world. Mm. I think we might be past these are Russian terrorists. These are Russian separatists. Okay. These are Chinese spies. Mm. We're kind of done with it. Yeah. Or at least we're done with it being. I'm not saying I want cookie cutter. They're, yeah, they're just Chinese bad guys, but like you couldn't you couldn't do it without showing the other without homelanding it. Yeah, you know, without like oh, but there are good people there, and they, and of course that's true, but it's like do we have to do that every time? Not Can't we just that. say that like the bad guys in this they're Russians? Yeah, not even that. Not even giving them a sympathetic angle. Just like oh, these are Russian terrorists, but they're they're just it's just these Russian terrorists. They're separatists. Russia don't approve. Yeah, yeah. these Russians are evil. Right. Exactly. But I, I, I get your point, though, about like just making up a fictional country that would solve that problem. Yeah. It wasn't a problem for me, personally. I don't yeah. feel like there was ever a point where I felt like the film was like actively... It would have actively improved the film had I known who they were fighting. No, it's not necessarily that I feel like it would have made a better film. It would have made it less of a pussy. Because, mm. like, you know, it, it's the top-grossing film, Evs. Yeah, well, yeah, of the year. Yeah. And I just well, it's on that list, though. It's it, on it's, the highest it's on that list. list. And, like, what kind of example it's set? I mean, it's not It's not even lowest common denominator. No. Because it doesn't have a common denominator. You can't even say, oh, the bad guys, they're, like, they're from the Rus- the Soviet bloc. Mm. It's not like, what can we all agree is evil? Mm. It doesn't even have that. It's just, they're evil. Well, Republicans, right? Well, yeah. But, but you, you can't blow, go and blow up an illegal Republican nuclear plant or whatever it is in this. Yeah, like um, the KKK. That, that, that's the closest you get. To <laughs> this is the secret KKK the nuclear secret power KKK facility. Nuclear power, oh, God. Um, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's it's not even lowest common denominator. Yet they haven't even picked something hmm. that we can all agree. They haven't even gone, okay, it's like North Koreans, but it's not even reflective of the state. Yeah. They're, like, they're particularly bad North Koreans yeah. too. They can't even do that. There's nothing. It's not even lowest common denominator. But to sort of go back to Bill Maher's take on this, is that the film's fault or is that our fault? That there is no common denominator? Oh, it's it's culture's fault hmm. and the film cowardly bowed to it. Right. Ten years ago, they wouldn't. the enemy wouldn't have been um, ambiguous. Hmm. I, I just don't believe it. No. Ten years ago, maybe. You know, you get into that point, but certainly not 20. Well, there would have at least been like a, we don't know where these guys came from. Right. Yeah, or they, or they would have just made up a country. Yeah. They would have, because the, the get out before was, right, we're clearly doing Russia, but we're going to make, we're going to make up a country. Or they could have like dieharded it, where it's like, this right. is a group of terrorists from all of these nations. I mean, they couldn't in this case, because they're attacking like a nation, you know, they go into- No, like, maybe not in this yeah, case, yeah. but yeah, just do that. Yeah, generally like, speaking, yeah. Yeah, you, we've got a Japanese, we've got a German, a we've pot. got- An Italian. Yeah, the yeah, Italian. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's something about that and diehard. 
because they all the bad guys are axis of evil countries. Yeah, yeah. And now they'd be North Koreans, Iranians, and Iraq. But no, you can't do that. <laughs> it just seems like genuinely mad for a moment. I genuinely was mad. Yeah. I am mad. But can't we fucking agree North Korea as a country, yeah. as an administration, is bad? Hmm. They, they couldn't have said it was North uh, Korea. But there are people in North Korea that aren't that might be all right. Yeah, loads. The mm. people are, I'm mm. sure. They're like any other people anywhere. Yeah. But that's the thing. We're not going to war with North Koreans. We're going to war with North Korea. There's a difference. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to war with Islam. You're going to war with ISIS. They're two very distinct things. Mm. And people who do conflate them, what are they saying? It is annoying, you know? And again, it's not like, oh, I, dem- I need to know who it is. And I think the thing with, you know, when they go into the enemy hangar that has English writing over all the planes and equipment is a detail that most would go over most people's heads because they don't single out, mm. they don't highlight it, but it's all just there in English. It was more when the they have clear visors and the pilots in the other planes... Clear black. visors that are labelled with their call signs? Right. And then it's just black. It's like stormtroopers. It's just yeah. Star Wars, like, oh, just evil thing. Yeah. That was when I was like, oh, you're copping out now. Because mm. we won't even see... If they were white, could anyone have argued with that? They're white. All we know about that is that it's not China and it's not anywhere in Africa, really. And it's not the Middle East. And it's not the Middle East. So all the, th- the places we want to avoid... somewhere in Africa. Well, snowy mountains. South Africa. Yeah, but I mean, that's just unrealistic, isn't it? The South Africa has like those sorts of... Look, at the end of the day... I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, but also at the end of the day, we the way it's depicted in the film, that kind of technology and that environment, it is Russia, isn't it? It's, it's snowy mountain peaks and it's like old planes like they have in Russia yeah that's yeah, basically it, what it, it is it, it, it most likely is Russia if you're going to yeah. pick anywhere it's there um, it's, I think I saw an interesting theory that it was um, it was America yeah, yeah, yeah. but that's because it's, it's like, leaving no, it open for that yeah no that's the thing yeah, yeah it's not like that's not really in the film there's nothing in the film that's the no. point like you could say oh new film theory the the reason the equipment's all in English is because America sold all of that equipment to whatever country this is. So right. it's really a comment on how oh, no. we're warmongers or whatever. I'm sure it is, and I know that... But there's none of that. That's that's It's, it's so broad. It's, it's not so there. open. Yeah, and I know that obviously like other countries will have equipment, technology with equipment in English because it's been pilfered or yeah. it's been made. But it, with everything else, it just felt like, oh, you're avoiding that too. No, it, it was that. You know? And that's the thing, if they were white... All we would have known about them is that they're not from Africa, Middle East, or China. But everyone would have said, oh, they're Russian then. No, they're not Russian. No, no, but everyone would have said, would have thought that. But you know what I mean, though? It's like, it could be any... That might yeah. that might have genuinely been the, yeah, the yeah. point that was made in the producer's room. It's like, well, they're not Russian, though. Yeah, but everyone won't think they are. Yeah, it's. It, I just thought it was a cowardly move. Also, in that final segment where it's uh, Tom Cruise and Miles Teller in the plane together, mm. there is absolutely no jeopardy. Because the film is not going to kill both Tom Cruise and Miles <laughs> Like it might, they might have killed Tom Cruise, even though I think he would have gone. I'm not going to be killed. Yeah, but it might have done that as like, ah, oh, it's you know bittersweet. He gave his life up or whatever. But it definitely wasn't going to kill both of them. No, and that takes all the jeopardy out of it. And then Glenn Powell just rocks up in a move that I am calling Deus Ex Ten Machina. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's no way he was just going to sit in a plane on the aircraft carrier and not be a part of the finale, was there? No, exactly. What's better, Deus Ex Mac Tenena? Mac Tenena. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, Mac Tenena. Yeah. Um, yeah, Glenn Powell is supposed to be the unlikable one, mm. but I thought a mustachioed Miles Teller playing piano was way more annoying. <laughs> um, are you just not a Miles Teller fan, or are you... No, I mean, I like Whiplash, but I, I get the sense he's probably a prick in real life. Yeah. 
And also, a moustache in 2022. <laughs> a moustache like that in 2022. Either a hipster or a, f- a-, a paedophile oh, goes, in your 50s yeah. and 60s. It goes beyond hipster. Yeah, oh, way beyond, yeah. But it's because it's his father had a stash. Mm. It's like, I, okay, I know we're dealing in nostalgia here. But really, he's honouring his father with the medium of his upper lip. Yeah. Just I, the piano would have been enough, right? Even that. Because it's I, the I same song as well. I know that's like yeah, pretty yeah. like, oh, fucking hell. But yeah, he didn't have to look that much like the guy. No, I know. And I watched it just off the back of Cobra Kai season five. Right. And I'm so fucking done with the nostalgia bullshit. Okay. I know we've said that loads. Yeah. And I'll admit this film doesn't traffic in it that much. It's not drastic. It is a bit jarring when they show actual footage from the first Top Gun. It is. Yeah. Because it's just so obviously... Of its time. From its... Yeah, of its time. Yeah. And I haven't seen Top Gun, but like I said, it's... And also there's a joke in it the very beginning where he ejects and he just lands in the middle of nowhere and he walks into a diner and he says, where am I? Mm. And the kid goes, Earth. Perfectly fine. Mm. But I've seen that joke done in a razor. Okay. Um, I know it's not like a massive pop cultural touchstone. But yeah, he in that Schwarzenegger crash lands and then there are two kids playing in a scrapyard Mm. and he says, where am I? And then they go, Earth. Welcome. Which is funnier. (laughs) Right. Which is funnier. All that said... It, broadly speaking, wasn't annoying. No. It's actually not... Like, I worked myself up into a rant there about the mm. the cowardice of the culture, but it's not a film to rant about in that way. Like, it's fun enough while it lasts, yeah. but I have no inclination to watch it again, nor do I think I ever will. Okay. And I could be way, way off on this one. I said this to you the, the other day. But when the novelty of the flying stuff has become truly entrenched in the culture, like, oh yeah, that's what we know that film for. Mm. Between the cheesy romance with him and Jennifer Connelly... Yeah the non-specific baddies and the general underdevelopment of everything but the action, I have a feeling that people are going to look back on this in a few years and think, that actually wasn't that good, was it? In fact, it might be a bit rubbish. Um, Maybe if there's a sequel. Okay. Yeah, like I can I can see... And it, what, and it pales in comparison? Yeah. Either the, either the third film is much better than the second mm-hmm. and we go, oh yeah, we like the second. I yeah. don't know why. Like Paddington. Yeah, I guess. The yeah. first Paddington. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, yeah. it makes that film look shit by comparison. I won't go that far, but yeah, it's, it, yeah. Oh, yeah, Everyone that film remembers seems, Paddington. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 The Unbearable Way to Massing Town. Right. Paddington 2 is incredible. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's a masterpiece. Yeah. Um, or the third film is as good as the second film was, mm-hmm. but people don't like it. Because so they're used to it. Yeah, so it forces them to reassess the second one. Yeah. But I think in if this is Top Gun, if this is it now... Mm. Or at least this is Tom Cruise's Top Gun. Yeah. That's it. Um, I don't know. I don't think... Uh, I'm not as certain of that as you are. I'm not certain. I just have a feeling. I have a feeling it's going to have the gravity effect. Okay. Where it's... People still like gravity, though. They don't. No, I think no people one, do. Who? Who likes gravity? Well, I don't know specific No, people. but that's what I'm saying. Yeah, people still like it. Obviously, there's still people that like it. But it doesn't have the... Oh, 12 Oscar nominations. Like, it doesn't have that. Mm. You know, we, we looked at those 2020 awards... Yeah. I think in, what would it be now? In 33? Yeah, so in 11 years, I don't think it would get those nominations. Okay. It might get a director nomination, but I just don't see it sweeping the boards like it did before. Okay. I just think it's going to age. I do. And I think when people don't have it on the big cinema screen mm. and they have to just watch the story at home, they're going to they're gonna find it wanting, is my prediction. Okay. Okay. We'll see. We'll see. Do you recommend it? I do, but I don't know who to recommend it to because yeah. everyone's just already people. seen it. Just people in it, yeah. Well, I don't. 
Okay. But except for the flying sequences, but just YouTube it. Okay. And for the final films kind of review, right? We're gonna review as a clump Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Thor: mm-hmm. Love and Thunder, and uh, kind of Ms. Marvel. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, she Hulk is on at the moment, mm. and I could have talked about that a bit, but we'll do that. Or I'll do that when the season is finished. Are you gonna make me watch She Hulk? No. Okay. No, I won't. I will, I will, Thank you. Plot spoiler. I fucking hate it. Okay. <laughs> plot spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's just dive into it. Okay. So, Doctor Strange. Let's start with that. Oh, right. So, we're not like... They are separate reviews, but it's like a chunk. Kind of, but it's Marvel in it. Okay. So, so I say, what yeah. does it say about us? Is our final review is three reviews at one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, basically, we'll break it down. We'll okay. start with Doctor Strange. Mm. I watched this a long time ago. Yeah. Well, we were recording... Uh, we recorded episode 60 in two chunks. Yeah. And I think there was some debate as to whether we throw Doctor Strange right. into the final chunk That's of that right. episode. That's right. So that kind of gives it's you an idea a long time ago. of how long it's been. So I have two notes. Okay. Look, I didn't like it. It goes without saying. Yeah. Right? That goes without saying is it's rubbish. The first note is it's unclear why she can't just conjure her own children. Well, you've all, you've, you've immediately shot to like the heart of the problem, haven't you? <laughs> What's the only two notes I've got? This is um, that, that's the big ugh, yeah what's your other note just to get it out of the way oh in the fight uh, the, the big fight that they have with at the temple or whatever with which her. one they have a big fight at the, where they're trying to guard the girl at the temple all the monk people and then she comes flying in as like give her up or I'll fucking kill you all like, sure okay. that's a thing that I yeah, remember I, think I, I just noticed that in the fight they left all the women and then the black woman so all the men died yeah and then it was just the women left, and then the white women died, and there was a black woman left. Oh, right, okay. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a multi strange yeah. amount. Yeah, all right. So it's, yeah, it's not very good. It's just like... I'd save your reserves of Aya, though. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Yeah. Well, it was underwhelming. I think, mm. like, this film was hyped up as, like, in the, in the wake of No Way Home. I yeah. don't know whether it was just, like, residual energy from that. Mm. But this was, like, one of, like, the biggest... The fastest pre-ordered films ever or something like that. Oh, right. So it held some record. Okay. And just like the reputation they had going into it, it was like, oh, there's going to be all of these cameos, all of these people mm. are going to be in it. Fucking Deadpool's going to be in it and the X-Men yeah. and the Fantastic Four and the Boo and the Boo. Like all of this shit. Yeah. Like this is going to be the biggest film ever. And then you watch it and it's quite small. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Shockingly. Yeah. Like given that it's the multiverse and given that it, there is like universal clashes and it brings in all these characters that have not been in the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse now mm. I guess in the MCM before mm. um, it feels quite quaint and quite small and quite incidental almost it it, I, I know, it certainly feels incidental I know it has implications going forward yeah, yeah like the status quo is slightly tweaked yeah so it's like oh it does have a place in the grand story thing. but it felt quite like if I hadn't watched this, I wouldn't really have missed anything. I don't, I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's just it's calling it small. Like, what does, what does that say? It's it's a big film. Mm. It's a lot of stuff going on. A lot of yeah. stuff, stuff, stuff. A lot of plot, a lot of character stuff, a lot of universe stuff. Yeah. But they all feel incidental now. They all mm. feel quaint. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like I said, this is the multiverse. Multiversal travel is now a thing. Doctor Strange has a third eye. And... Wanda Maximov, the Scarlet Witch, um, she's the villain. So it's like a major... Sort of. Like, realignment for one of its, like, main characters. Yeah. And it all feels so, like... Eh. Anodyne. Yeah, exactly. Beige. 
like when when the when the when the Mister Fantastic show up mm. and the the Charles Xavier, and I'm like, all right. Well, this is- <laughs> it's just it's just nothing. I don't know what to say. It's just so nothing. Yeah. Well, this applies to Thor as well. Maybe we can intermingle a little bit. Okay. The films are more closely resembling comic books in terms of a static eye fuck mm. and stuff, stuff, stuff. Yeah. Like, just characters from here, here, here. Like, it's just characters will pop up in this one and this one, which we sort of knew is where it was going. Mm. But it's like, they go, they're obviously going for that. It's like a comic book universe where any character can pop up and isn't that exciting? Yeah. But it just starts, it's just stuff. It's just stuff. And, and I don't pro- care about it. And the it. problem there is, like, if they are creating this open universe where, like, oh, anyone can just sort of be a part of anyone else's story mm. and things can cross over, is that when things don't, it's strange yeah like why would you like why wouldn't they be now like why wouldn't they i'm not up? the first person to point this out but the whole thing with uh love and thunder is the main villain is trying to access eternity yeah because if you access eternity you're granted one wish mm-hmm. and eternity has to grant you that wish and did thanos think that gathering the six infinity stones was less effort than just accessing infinity this is the thing like beginning that line of questioning it's I mean, Marvel, the MCU, is everything everywhere all at once. There are so many different realms. Yeah. Like, there's something to be said for a story that you start with, like, Iron Man. Mm. And then you peel back and you reveal, oh, no, there are other superheroes. They're, like, there are other realms, all that kind of yeah. thing. Lost, I think, is a good example of that. I know a lot of people have problems with Lost. But that whole idea that I've always loved of it's about these people that crash on a plane that crashes on an island. Mm. And then, oh, there are other people on the island oh they've been here a long time oh there were people before them oh there are these beings and you just strip it back 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 mm. until you realise the people you started with are part of this really big story and that does it well this is like oh there's Asgard there's the dream realm there's multiverses there's hell there are gods there are demons there are sorcerers there are aliens that's the thing it's not just on a it's not just on a divine scale mm. it's on a cosmic scale yeah. there are other planets there are other races. There are fucking ghosts. There are... It's just everything. It's just so much to keep track of. And you of. just... Th- like, I, I know, like, Captain America th- was the first Avenger and Captain Marvel was before Iron Man. But if you watch Iron Man, you can... Now, you must think, how the hell did, didn't we realise there were all these other fucking things going yeah. on? Yeah. You know? Because like, you can't move now for primordial beings popping up in <laughs> New York. And, it's know. always New York as well. Yeah. New York is just saturated with fucking... <laughs> how don't Spider, uh, Spider-Man... Super saturated. That's yeah. the thing. How don't Spider-Man and Doctor Strange constantly run into each other? Because of course they would. There's a catastrophe where they don't both rock up at the set, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Giant, giant, giant squid monster tearing apart New York. Well, it will, it will get... Just to Doctor point. Strange will do. Because at the minute we know that obviously those actors are under contract. And they are told, obviously, you must be a positive cultural face. Mm. Like, you will say good things about the films. You'll conduct your personal life admirably and appropriately. Yeah. You do not give spoilers away. You kill someone if they are on the... You wait to the day where they are just in pens because they never know who's going to pop up in each other's films. Mm. And so they're just going to keep them in cages. Like, Tom Holland, you're going to be in the Hulk's thing today. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> you know that's what it's going to get to smile smile yeah smile you fucking cretin yeah um, aren't you and- grateful that you have a career <laughs> exactly yeah sign the dotted line you fuck yeah while the TV you do shows- literally nothing good outside of Spider-Man this is all you are this yeah yeah it really is with him yeah while the TV shows are still exorbitantly expensive and it shows and random characters from the franchise pop up here and there mm. 
that shows now emerge relatively small scale. I mean, WandaVision is the MCU's version of an indie. Yeah. And that bespeaks a gross excess in itself, doesn't it? That that's their version of an indie. I don't even know if I've seen a Marvel TV show. Isn't there like 20 of them already? Yeah, there's got to be around 10 now. But it's like the films need to now need to doubly compensate. They've got to be bigger and snarkier and ultimately emptier Mm. than the shows. Which isn't to say that the shows are themselves substantial because they're not. But you know what I mean? Because we have the shows now and they're multi-million dollar things with all this action and the film's got right well what makes the film special why should people come to the cinema make it everything big yeah the universe is, is I'm getting palpitations <laughs> talking about it's got it. fucking ads in there yeah. <laughs> talking and about Marvel yeah yeah Angina Jesus. Angina yeah no it's um, yeah well what you were saying about like people being under contract yeah so, so the Scarlet Witch is evil kind of yeah she's but she's relatable she's broody right well Grievy. Grievy. Yeah. For children that have never existed. No. She's not... What does the film think she is? Does the film think she's a villain? Does the film think she's a tragic hero? What does the film think The she film is? thinks that she's an anti-hero, a, a, tra- a fallen hero mm. that has a very relatable pang. Right. And we we get why she's doing what she's doing but ultimately we know that she shouldn't be doing it so we're with the side of Doctor Strange okay well we're, we're not and she doesn't she's oh, no. not, she doesn't have a relatable motive she has a baffling motivation it is weird I, I genuinely don't understand I want someone to sit here and explain to me <laughs> I don't why it's related no no I want I don't to, care I, I cannot fathom <laughs> in how this is in any way relatable why I get the whole, like, oh, it's a mother who's lost her children. Yeah. But she hasn't. No, I know. I, that, she that hasn't lost her children. What she has lost yeah. is Vision, Paul Bettany. Yes. And I know, like, I haven't seen WandaVision. I'm sure WandaVision deals with that. But... <laughs> I don't know. I can't no, remember. No, that's something I genuinely yeah, don't know. You've fucking seen it as well. I've lost it. I can't remember. But, like, would you not... In this her whole motivation. In this film is like, oh, I want, I want my family back. Yes, I am like ripping open the multiverse mm. and tearing down anybody in my way just so I can have my family again. Right. Vision does not come up once. No, that's true. Vision is never mentioned. Not only is Vision never mm. mentioned, I know not from seeing Wonder Vision, but I know just from like people in the culture. Yeah, there is a version of Vision in the MCU right now. Is there? There's like a white vision or something at the end of like WandaVision and like they kind of let him go. So it's oh, like, God, I don't know. I think it's like Vision's conscience, but like in a different being. Okay. Someone that's actually real and tangible and that she can track down mm. and be with. Mm. No, I want my fake children instead. I don't have a, right. I don't have a problem. And with, that's why I, yeah. like, why I used contract as a tangent. Because okay. in all likelihood, the reason that he's not a part of this story is just because they couldn't get him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yes. frankly, it's the only reason I would like grant the film like a pass. Yeah, not well, not even that, but just like, oh, we couldn't get Paul Bettany, so we can't use him in a story. Well, like, thing, okay, at least that's yeah. a, that's something. Wonder Vision, it it does. De- I mean, it, it is about he's died, she can't take it, mm. so she's invented a reality where he's still there. Yeah. So I think they would have felt it redundant. I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're story experts, mm. but they probably, well, we did that in WandaVision. That's all about she's lost him and now she wants him back and all that. Mm. So they did the kids because the kids kind of pop up near the end of WandaVision. Yeah. I don't have a problem with the fact that the kids never existed because the fact of the matter is if you injected me with a drug 
that made me feel like I'd lived a certain 20 years. Mm. And they go, oh, no, it actually never happened. You were here the whole time. That still happened in my experience. Yeah. So, But I had, like, a wife. You can't yeah. just take that away from me. Mm. I don't have a problem with that. It's more just she has the power. Kids. Yeah. She can just invent them. Yeah. Just do it. Live your fantasy. You did it already once. Yeah. And there might be some bullshit in-universe thing about why she can't do it again. Or I think, <laughs> I think there's, like... <laughs> Do they say it in the film where it's like, well, why don't you just go to a universe where your kids are alive but you're dead? And she says, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, shut the fuck no, up. No, no, because it's like... No, because she's trying to steal the, the, the woman's power. Mm. America. She's trying mm. to steal America. America, who's Hispanic. Yeah, funny that. Uh, I know that America is like a Hispanic girl's name, like America Ferreira, yeah, but yeah. That, you know they were trying to say something. Oh, of course. She's got like the star on her back. It's not subtle. No. Um, this is America. Yeah. Don't catch you slipping now. This is America. <laughs> Throw my back over the border. <laughs> oh dear. We've gone like how long without any consequences? That's because we're close to the end now. I feel like I'm ripping. <laughs> it's all coming yeah, out yeah. now. Um, yeah, they're like, well, why don't you just ask America nicely to like take you to a universe with your children? Mm. And she's like, no, I have to have the power myself. And they're like, why? And she's like, oh, what if my children fall ill with... A, a sickness that can only be cured in a different multiverse. <laughs> I need to have that power. It's just so, like, fucking... Contrived. Yeah, like, yeah. there's so many iterations of the script where she could achieve her goal, her baffling, ridiculous goal, <laughs> without hurting anyone. And yeah. it's just like, no, one to be bad because cool. Yeah. Well, because the Scarlet Witch is a villain. Yeah. And they didn't... In- she hasn't been introduced that way. So, oh, we'll do the film where she is that. Mm. We can't make it permanent because we like her, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. She's irredeemable at this point, though. The amount of people she kills in this film. I know. People that we're, like, the film thinks we like as well, like mm. Mr. Fantastic and Charles Xavier. Yeah, yeah. She murdered them. <laughs> yeah. There's no redeeming this character. They'll find a way. But that's the thing. I know they're going to try, and that bothers yeah. me. Yeah. The film for I, I'm angry for a film that hasn't even started being made yet. Well, it's Marvel. You're right to be angry yeah. about what's coming. I mean, how many times have we had this conversation on the podcast? Yeah. Just how well. Let's get to the the reductio ad absurdum of shit, mm. which is Thor: Love and Thunder. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll get it out of the way. One more point about Doctor Strange. No, yeah, fine. Sorry, I thought Thor. you were done. No, it's just to sort of say like my one of my big problems. Well, there are many big yeah. problems with Doctor Strange. <laughs> yes, but one problem that I had, which I, I haven't really seen people bring up, I think some people have, I'm mm. sure some people have. How does the magic work? I don't even know what you're talking about. Doctor Strange is magic. He is a magic man. Y- yes, he's the Sorcerer Supreme. Yes. How does the magic work? Go on. No, no, that's my question. How does the magic work? That's magic. I'm, am I just supposed to, like... Am I supposed to understand what Doctor Strange's powers are and what their limitations are and what he's doing and like I I don't know I mean I don't know I guess the idea is just there's magic mm. and you can use it yeah and then he's just gotten better and better at it because they're like oh there's magic which is what Doctor Strange is and then there's yeah. witchcraft which is what Wanda is and they can both do similar things but also they don't and are they not the same thing no no she's a witch I know she's a witch, but is that not like it's tapping? Is it not like Hermione and Harry, or are they fundamentally different? No, no, they, there's like different. It's a whole different thing. Yeah, okay. different rules and yeah, 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 yeah things yeah. they're tapping into. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's just like I'm just watching the film and like every spell, apart from the portals, every spell that Doctor Strange casts is different from the last one. Mm. 
Mm. And that's true between films as well. I, don't, I think if you put every like piece of Marvel media he's been in side by side, mm. there's basically no consistent spells. He hasn't done what he, there's no Expelliarmus. There? No, exactly. Right, yeah, there's okay. no yeah, there's no Accio. There's no Vada Kedavra. Yeah, yeah. There's no like baseline to the magic. Right. Like I'm just watching the film whenever they're in an action sequence. I'm just like, well, I don't, I don't know if you're under threat right now. Yeah. Like when he has that musical fight with the other Doctor Strange and it's like it comes out of nowhere and it's never done again and like <laughs> was that did that take effort for you? I don't I know. know. I know what you mean. I think they're obviously trying to they're trying to show the rain the the variety of it. Oh, it's definitely that. I, it's yeah, it's it, so the spectacle doesn't get old. But the yeah. the, the the thing they lose is stakes and an understanding of Yeah. yeah. I'd like to understand I understand Iron Man's abilities. I know he gets like yes. new abilities every film. Yeah, yeah. There's like one or two showcases. But I've never, like, not understood Iron Man. Yeah. Same with Captain America. He's strong. Yeah, exactly. There's like, yeah. okay, I get them. I yeah. know when they're struggling. I know when they're being tested. Doctor Strange, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, it, it, I think it, it, it reminds me of that... Is it Austin Powers? Where that guy is like, I suggest you stop a- asking questions and just enjoy yourself. And he mm. looks at the audience and goes, and I suggest you do the same. Yeah. That's what it is, isn't it? I mean, they, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, who cares? Okay. Who cares? All right. Okay. Yeah. Fine. What part of the film does matter? M- Marvel. Yeah. Oh, the the heart of it. The mother looking for her children. Okay. But that's, as we've discussed, that's absurd. Who am I being here? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I'm asking this question sincerely, in all honesty. My point okay. is, if like, if I'm like, oh, here's my criticism of this film, mm. and the response is, well, don't worry about that part of the film. That bit's not important. Right. Well, what bit is important then? Yeah, that, I would say. That's what they would say. Yeah. It's about the mother trying to rediscover her children and the fight to make sure it doesn't happen. Okay, I think that's stupid. And it's done stupidly. Am I still being like Kevin Feige here? Sure. He's... Look at my car. <laughs> Look at the car I have. You don't have this car. Uh, You'll never have this car. Look at my wallet. This is this, this today's wallet. <laughs> oh, God, um, that's my Tuesday wallet. That's embarrassing. <laughs> Yeah, it's rubbish. Yeah. Okay, but let's get to the, the big one. Yeah, Thor, surely that's better. It's not. Oh. Um, <laughs> here's what I have to say surely about it. Surely it's okay? not worse. Oh, it's significantly worse. Oh my God. Um, I'll read you what I got. Right. You can chip in. We'll talk about it. While it's undeniably a, a f- more... A film that exists. <laughs> it, it, can't deny that I saw it. Yeah. While it's undeniably a more extreme expression of Taika Waititi style... Mm. It's emblematic of the problems I've always had with his oeuvre. Mm. Insubstantial, knowing, annoying humour, and cockiness. Even Hunt for the Wilder People knows it's cute. Right. Every film he's made has been overrated. I'm not saying they've all been bad, okay. but they've all been overrated. And we should never, never have given him an Oscar. No. God, I bet he's annoying at parties. <laughs> like... Always on. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's that guy. Yeah, bro. I'm Taika Waititi. Yeah, yeah, bro. I'm, I'm like irreverent. Yeah. Um, right. I don't care about the Marvel films. No. Right? So this isn't like, a, oh, yeah, they should have done that. That would have been cool. Not that I think it would have fundamentally been altered by pairing Thor with the Guardians. It does feel like a broken promise. Absolutely. It's like... I would, I would say based on the conversation we've just had about Doctor Strange, yeah. there's no ambiguity about the fact that we don't like Marvel films. In general, no, we don't. And we don't. No, I recently bought The Avengers. Oh, okay. Because so, I, I, I rewatched no, that. No, yeah, there, there, yeah. Is some, there is some good stuff to be found. I just want to, yeah, I'm not a bigot. 
No. It's not like, oh, if it's Marvel, ugh, shorty. Yeah, exactly. No, if it's I, good, it's good. I was convinced, determined, mm. so, so ready for Infinity War to be a disaster. Yeah. I own it. I'm right. a, I'm, 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 I like Infinity War. I own that, and I own Endgame. Yeah. I own the two of them. And if we're going outside the MCU, I love the first X-Men films. I love the Spider-Man films. I love Logan. Mm. I love my favorite film of that year. No, this isn't a snobbery thing. No. Um, but yeah, I would say that yeah. like it's. But generally clear. speaking, now yes. Yeah, we don't we don't have a lot of affection for the machine, the Marvel so, machine. Yeah, yeah, this film just felt disrespectful. It did to Marvel. Yeah, it, it did. felt like something that someone who doesn't like Marvel would love to make. Yeah, someone got in, an enemy got in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's because because of that because the stuff that the predecessors to this film brought to the table, mm-hmm. the Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, mm-hmm. that stuff gets like. Tossed out. Yeah. yeah, it's like oh, we're we're not we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, the stuff that the director has previously bought to the franchise, Korg, mm. that voiced by himself, voiced by him, yeah. played by the director. Yeah, funnily yeah. enough, that that little like troop acting troop they've got in Asgard with Matt Damon and now Melissa McCarthy, where they're just like acting out yeah. previous events of the film. Yeah, that gets a whole like dedicated scene now. Yep. It, it feels like, yeah, it's like, oh, all the stuff you've brought to the table, that we don't need that. Stuff that I brought to the table. So this, is the, this is the thing people want to see. This is the good shit. And I just feel... Let's have more of this. Yeah, it feels... I mean, God knows how it works, but they've obviously... They have a playbook. Like, Feige works out with, you know, this is the direction it has to go in. You, this has to be kind of set up by the end of this film because we're going to... The Doctor Strange film is going to do this, this, yeah. this. And then, but like, within that, you write your film. Oh, Fat Thor as well. Also gone, yeah. So much potential. Yeah, yeah. Having an overweight, out-of-shape Thor that needs to get his mojo and back. When we all looking forward to... Well, say we... I mean, even I a bit, like the prospect of a fat Thor with the Guardians traveling around the galaxy. Yeah. Thor in space, basically. Yeah. There's something to that. Because, yeah, the all-out schlock, B-move, like, make it like an 80s... Like, how of the duck, that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, like, within that, like, you know, Ryan Coogler, you do your own thing within that. You know, you have to end with the Winter Soldier being in Wakanda. Mm. But, like, you do your film. I'm sure that's basically how it works, but obviously very tightly controlled at the same time. Yeah. This, it must have felt like, you know, oh, we're setting up a film with Thor and the Guardians. He went, I don't want to do that. They were like, uh, you did win an Oscar for writing. We defer to you, Taika Waititi. You're, you're talented. Why is he the guy? Well, he's the man of the moment, isn't he? He's the on the he's time 100 most influential person in the world. Oh, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he was on that list. Okay. It doesn't actually mean influential. I don't know why they just call it what it is. Like, 100 most culturally popular. relevant, co- popular people of yeah. this year. Yeah, that's probably what it was. He's like, oh, I don't want to do that. We're like, yeah, well, you won the Oscar. You do what you want. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, Low. Oh, Low and behold. Um, the CGI is fucking despicable. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not. It's actually not funny. Because I've seen, like, posts, more than one post... Yeah. from visual effects artists who've said this film is the film that like prompted me to quit the visual effects industry <laughs> right. Marvel because how they were treated or? Yeah, yeah Marvel don't treat their, their staff well at the moment anyway colour me totally unsurprised <laughs> given that that like visual effects artists are the backbone of Marvel absolutely it's not they're the auteurs of Marvel yeah yeah it's yeah. not um, Chris Hemsworth's Thor it's not Kevin Feige sitting in the back going oh this happens now and it's not even now. Ryan Coogler it's not even Ryan Coogler yeah it's the visual effects people that make those films a reality and they're yeah. not treated well and they're no. overworked and Marvel have this like gold standard that they're all supposed to be meeting 
And then Taika Waititi goes on Vanity Fair or whatever it was yeah. and goes, oh yeah, the visual effects in my film are shit. Yeah. They're not very good. The artist didn't do a very good job. Well, it's because he's postmodern and self-referential and like... He's a cunt. He is. He is a cunt. Yeah. He is a, I've always known it. I'm, I'm going to say it now. I called it. I called it back <laughs> with... Mm, actually, maybe Hunt for the World People's a bit early. Certainly Ragnarok. Okay. I was like, yeah, everyone's loving that whole style. Yeah. He's a cunt. But this is, like, this is not... I know this is a common observation. This film is not Ragnarok again. No, it's not. And that's the no, problem. No, Ragnarok is significantly better than this. Yeah. Well, Ragnarok... And I didn't like that. Yeah. Well, Ragnarok yeah. just seemed to, like, take it all... That was funny and irreverent and made Thor a more overtly comedic character. Yeah, it had something. Yeah. But it still had its moments. It still treated its threats sincerely. It still, like, had a mixture of... It wasn't just, I'm Taika Waititi and I'm really funny... Why aren't you laughing? Yeah. For however long this film lasted. The thing about him is, we're going to go over the time limit, I don't care. It, it's <laughs> You're off on one now as well, aren't you? It's, it's him. It's it's not just like, oh, I'm a man of the moment and I'll make jokes. It's it's not just that. It's He's in that show, Our Flag Means Death, mm. which I think he, he produces and he directs some of it. I don't think he wrote it. Okay. And he plays Blackbeard in it. Mm. And I don't know whether they asked him to or whether he cast himself as Blackbeard. But the whole thing about that show is it ends up being a gay romance between the main guy, played by Reese Darby, and him. Yeah. And, like, he was just nominated for, like, a Gold Derby Award, like, a critic award for it, for supporting actor. And it's that kind of thing where you, go, you cast yourself, or allowed yourself, you know, your producer, mm. as, like, oh, it's going to be this love story, and it's going to get plaudits for being yeah, yeah. gay-friendly. It's just this kind of, this vainglorious self-gratification thing that I just really... Fucking hate. <laughs> oh, do you? Yeah, do I, you, Sam? it's it's worse than. Oh, look at me, I'm funny. Mm. It's worse than that. It's it's someone. It's not just thinks he's hilarious, but thinks that he's like, what's the right word? Look at me, I can do anything. Not just that. It's um, oh, I have like a social conscience as well. Like I'm right. You know, I do important things. As yeah, well. yeah. Anyway, as if just making a character gay. That's all you need to do. Because Korg's gay now as well, isn't he? Just real as well. But pirates. Surely pirates already. <laughs> like, that was a thing. Is Korg gay? Yeah, the, the rock man that he plays in. He's gay? Yeah, he's gay. Really? Did you watch Thor Love and Thunder? Yeah, I, I did. I didn't pick... I obviously didn't pick him yeah, up Yeah, at the end, detail. he's like, oh, I, 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 I met a guy and settled down. And it, show, oh, right. it shows them, like, getting married, basically. So there you go, like, oh, look at me. Because he's not even gay, Taika Waititi. He's no. like, oh, I'm progressive and... Oh, fuck. Hang on, is that allowed? He's not gay. The last thing, I didn't, I didn't think... Reese Darby isn't gay. The yeah. other guy in Our oh, Flag Means Death. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think that was allowed. <sighs> right, okay. Let me just finish my thing here. Okay. If the problem with DC is that it can take itself too seriously, Justice League being its most grotesque exhibit, and Marvel's is that it doesn't, mm. this is the obverse equivalent of Justice League. It's the New Zealand to DC's Iceland. Oh, look at that. Yeah, there you go. This is Marvel's Justice League. That's what I think. Oh, shit. Okay. You need to strike a balance for good or ill. And there are plenty of good and bad superhero movies that have struck that balance. It's not enough to make them good films. Mm. But I would refer you to pretty much any comic book movie pre-Avengers. Yeah. Which, incidentally, now also looks quaint in comparison. Mm. Even Kick-Ass, which is the irreverent comic book movie. They strike that tone between they take some of it seriously yeah, yeah. and the rest of it, no. Mm. Even the first Thor. Joss Whedon has a lot to answer for. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I really like the Avengers and I like Joss Whedon a lot. But he allowed, he paved the way for this to happen. Like, right. oh, we can be funny with 
those superhero films. Problem is, they're not Joss Whedon, and no. they don't know how to do it right. The Avengers dialogue is so well written, and it's all Whedon esque. But each character has a distinct voice. Hmm. Thor talks like a Shakespearean character. Captain America talks like an old man. Hmm. Robert Downey Jr. has that cocky thing going on, and Mark Ruffalo is like he's the normal guy, but he's a bit reserved. And Loki, obviously, evil Thor. Yeah. In Thor: Love and Thunder, they all sound exactly the fucking same. Yeah. It's all that. Oh, we should have a catchphrase. Hey, we're making. Yeah. We're doing a postmodern. <laughs> and my my sum up sentence for it is. The Emperor has no clothes, but, like, ironically. (laughs) That's my sum-up sentence for the film, okay? And, like, uh, Omnipotent City. Yeah. I know it is from the comic books, right? But in a Whedon film, it would have been a throwaway line. They've been walking along this thing with all this place, all these gods, go, what is this, like, Omnipotent City or something? Mm. No, in this, it's called Omnipotent City. Yeah. And the villain is Zeus. That's it. That's, That's all you got. And I fucking hated it. And I think there are things about Sonic 2 that are worse than Fall Love and Thunder. Mm. But this is the worst film of the year. This is me. your Sonic 2? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could say more about it, but I, I, I don't think I can match your rage. <laughs> so I think I think the film deserves to be left on you. On that. On that, okay. yeah. Well, let me briefly addendum it with Ms. Marvel. Okay. Here's my notes on Ms. Marvel. Okay. It's a superhero show about... The partition <laughs> between India and Pakistan. Is that going to be the, the, the thing now? Yeah, it's going to be superhero movies, but with culturally specific stories. Not just that. Yeah. It's just that I'm aware that, like, Doctor Who's done an episode on the partition as well. Oh, is it? Yeah, so is that going to be, like, the big, oh, you should learn proper history, here's the partition. Yeah, maybe. And there are moments... In the I, f- I don't even mean that, like, sarcastically or, like, with this air, like, ooh, you could, you know... No, no, I, I can I see just, it. It's just, like, that seems to be the thing that's, that people are picking up that's on. That's the trend. Yeah. It's... Well, because it hasn't been done all that much. We've done the slavery, black, we've done that. Like, Black Panther covered all, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the, there are parts of that show where just the grandmother character will sit and just explain the partition to the main character. Okay. And then, like, I, around the time I was watching that, I watched Hellboy. And I was like... This is a superhero movie. Right. It's just like telling the story with these these characters. And it's just like, there's, there's nothing about it that's racially or sexually, you know, specific. It's just, It doesn't matter. It's mm. a superhero movie. Yeah. And God, I miss the noughties. And God, I miss the 90s even more. Mm. And obviously the big thing at the end of Ms. Marvel is she's a mutant. Yeah. So that's the gateway into even more shit. Mm-hmm. And... We'll keep complaining about it. <laughs> Are you officially lifting the Marvel ban? Yep. <laughs> right, so it's uh, the, the floodgates are open now. Fall Love and Thunder raised its chin at me and went, come on, if you think you're hard enough. <laughs> right. And I'm like, all right then. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking asked yeah. for this, mate. That's it. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah, again, I can't match your yeah. rage, so <laughs> I won't even try. Okay. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Yeah. Business as usual. Back to business. Time? Hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. A bit more spontaneous. A bit more, um, yeah, like it used to be, <laughs> but not as long. Yeah. We'll uh, see. Well, no. Sam, this, <laughs> this was categorically, absolutely, without negotiation, going to be a two hour episode. Two and a half hour. Oh, well, and we eventually got you to two and a half. Yeah. <laughs> we got me to two and a half. Yeah, okay, but like, what's the gap between episodes? Yeah, it was six a, months away. Yeah, April to September. Yeah, biggest ever. So for this, I will allow three hours. Okay. But no more. No more. No more. Okay. 
on that note. Okay. Thank you for listening. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.